This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. So Murray Helberg exemplified the Olympic spirit of triumphing over adversity. He was badly injured while playing rugby when he was 17. And after months of rehabilitation, he was left with a severely damaged shoulder and a withered left arm. And he had to teach himself to do everything, everything from writing to eating with his right hand. From that incident arose the will and the courage of a true champion. Helberg won the Olympic 5,000 gold medal in 1960 and the Empire Games three-mile golds in 1958 and 1962. Still leading, followed by Scott and Halberg of New Zealand. But out of the blue, Murray Halberg puts on a sprint which leaves the rest nowhere. The crowd roars as he streaks for the tape with a good 60-yard lead. The time, 13 minutes, 15 seconds. Smashing the Games record by 20 seconds and collecting the Empire, British National and British All-Timers record... In 1958, he became the first New Zealander to break four minutes for the mile. And he was really, he really was the first great athlete to emerge from the Arthur Lydia stable. So Murray was born in Ekatahuna, but he grew up in Auckland. And he was a handy cricketer before his unfortunate accident, but was already starting to enjoy some success as a runner. And the chance to watch the 1950 Auckland Empire Games fueled his desire further. His talent was nurtured by Lydiard with his endurance training method. It took Halberg a while to mature as an athlete. There were less than impressive efforts at the 1954 Empire Games and the 1956 Melbourne Olympics before he stepped up into the top of the world class. And at Melbourne, he reached the final of the 1500, but he ran a poor tactical race. He slipped back through the field to almost finish last. He was devastated and he vowed to himself that he would return to the Olympic stage and fulfil what he believed was his destiny. That destiny? To be an Olympic champion. By 1960, he was favoured to win the Olympic 5,000 metres. He and Lydia decided on the same tactics he'd successfully employed at the 1958 Cardiff Empire Games. Sprinting clear with three laps remaining and then holding on. It was a tactic that called for boldness, tenacity and braveness. Halberg had all of those in spades. Spurred on by stablemate Peter Snell's victory in the 800 metre final just before his race, Halberg carried out the plan perfectly. He put 20 metres on the field with a sudden burst and held that margin all the way to the tape. Coming up now to the finish, 20 yards, 5 yards to go. A magnificent victory for Murray Halberg of New Zealand in a time which we make 13 minutes, 14.9 seconds, a new British Empire and Commonwealth British All-Comers British National Record. He continued running until the Tokyo Olympics in 1964 where he finished 7th in the 10,000 metres but by then he was past his best and when he retired he did do some coaching but he preferred to pour his energy into his new form trust. 
Helberg, he was voted the New Zealand Sportsman of the Year in 1958 and was knighted in 1988 and in 1990 was inducted into the New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame. At the turn of the century, he had a battle with cancer, but he returned to good health and assisted the 2002 Commonwealth Games team in Manchester as a mentor. So good in that role, he filled it again for the 2004 Athens Olympics. While he's a champion athlete, it is his desire to help others through his foundation that will endure for all time. Sir Murray Helberg, 1933 to 2022, Olympic champion, New Zealand legend, Kiwi icon. For many that couldn't, now they can. For many that wouldn't, now they will. New Zealand is indebted to your unrelenting commitment and service. Sir Murray Helberg, thank you. Man, Sir Murray Helberg, an absolute champion of one gone. 89 years of age, uh, lost his life, and our sincere t- condolences to friends, to Lady Phyllis, um, and all the people he has impacted. He is a genuine life changer. He's an opportunity maker, and all of us in New Zealand will be indebted to him for a long, long time, but the foundation will carry on. After one o'clock, we're going to catch up with Rod Dixon, Olympic 1500-metre bronze medalist, um, New York Marathon champion and longtime friend of Samari. Um, it's with heavy hearts we have guests coming on today, and I really appreciate them coming on. So after one, Rod Dixon. Also in that hour, the whole hour is about Samari. Fiona Allen, she is the chief executive of Paralympics New Zealand. On all the help and all the doors that Samari Helberg has enabled to be opened over the years. Carolyn Steele, she is the chair of the Helberg Foundation. The impact the importance of Sir Murray Helberg, particularly with those with disabilities, getting opportunities. Carolyn Steele will join us between one and two. Um, two to four, we go back to normal programming. Jeremy Paul Show, 2.15. Mitch Graham, former Chiefs and Taranaki prop, is part of our Rugby Network series, catching up with former players and what they're up to now. Fascinating story for Mitch Graham. We still have the vault. We have what's making news. We have a whole swag of other things as well. Um, but it stays like this. Um, we do have to pause and reflect on the passing of great people, which is why Midday Madness is going to be dedicated to Samari Helberg as well. Um, and as Ricardo just told me, a, a, a listener called Brian called up and said he listened to SENZ all day. So he's probably taken his transistor with him and he's probably listening now. Let's say he's listening now. Let's share with Sir Murray and his friends and family and all of New Zealand listeners, just memories of track and field. And he was such, you know, I think of him and Jack Lovelock. Yes, there were athletes before that, but him and Jack Lovelock set us up. I mean, heroes in my childhood, John Walker, Dick Quacks, Rod Dixon. I'm so pleased that we have Rod Dixon coming on. Your enduring memories and the moments of pride, and it can be Olympic Games, it can be... British Empire Games, Commonwealth Games, it can be World Championships, it can be sub four minute miles, it can be modern, it can be pre-modern or it can be prehistoric. 
I don't care. Let's share some track and field, some athletics love with all of our listeners. Um, so many have come to mind with me. Uh, I know I've just sprung this on you, but I'd really like you to share some memories of track and field, particularly athletics, on 0800 150 811. I'm just wondering if we play our normal intro music because I want it to be a little bit more reflective. So n- none of the madness, madness music, but um, do call us, please. 0800 150 811. He would love that. He would love that. And also, just remembering, we have our rural roundup playing out between 12 and 1 on all networks except for Auckland and Wellington. So Auckland and Wellington, um, this is your chance um, to share some memories. John Walker, for me, um, in my younger days, it was the 1976 Olympics when he won the gold medal. Just... I. I just couldn't fathom that a country so small could have someone winning the event at the Olympics in the 1500, and I guess you could say the 100 metres uh, Blue Rim event. But I, I also remember athletes like Lorraine Moller, Anne Aldain, Kim Robertson, Wendy Brown, um, Tanya Murray, out of nowhere winning a high jump at the Commonwealth Games. Um, so many proud, proud moments. Um, and I've been trying to remember... Um, Jack Foster, there he is. I think he was 42 when he represented New Zealand in the marathon at the Commonwealth Games. Just your track and field memories. I'd really love you to um, ring up and share those moments with us. 0800 150 811. Um, I can see some calls coming on there. Just waiting to come through. There we go. Ed from Tolaga Bay. Nga mihi, Ed. Oh, nga mihi, te rangatira tā. Murray Halbert, mm. moi 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 moi. Mm. Uh, aroha ki te whānau pani. Um, uh, and a thousand apologies to you, Staffy, for yesterday, for my little hiccup. That's all right. All good. All good. So I just read about him, man. I just read about um, old uh, Ta Murray Halbert, old Sir Murray. Um, he's followed the break the full minute mile. Yep, that's it. Wow, but... um. So he's a bit before my time. So there's uh, a statue down the road over here on Great South Road in Rewa. Is there? Yeah. It's a statue of John Walker. Ah. So that's the guy that I grew up watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, someone told me a story once, and I'm just trying to think who it was, that he used to work in South Auckland somewhere, and instead of getting the bus, he would run to work. And people on the bus were all, because they'd stop at every bus stop, and John Walker would run past them. Then the bus would take off, they'd pass him, they'd pull over, he'd pass them. And they reckon he got to work quicker by running than getting the bus. <laughs> Well, that's how champions are made, eh, Steph? That's it, mate. That is it. Old school, old school stuff. Yeah. So, um, so you know, you know, as all kids were growing up and um, like league players and stuff like that, you know, we had all our little fast followers and our teams, didn't we? Yeah. Like, um, in my time, boy, uh, my mate Paul Clark, hundred meter, two hundred meter champion, mm. can go. You yeah. know, secondary school. It's yeah, a- yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing character-building sport, athletics. And as I've got to know the athletes, it's uh, whether you carry on in track and field. Um, it's a great building block for so many sports. Like you know, Ed, you've you've had guys that are that have been sprinters, and they come along to your rugby team or your rugby league team, and they've got wheels. They didn't get wheels through rugby yeah. league. They got wheels through track and field. Yeah, man. Um, my mate Paul Clark, hundred meter, two hundred meter champion. Uh, he could move out. 
And then even that um, oh, one of the boys, Jared McCracken, he could move out. I'm not too sure about his background, but when he hit league, boy, uh, on the wing, he could move out, man. Mm. Yeah, there's a few fellas I've seen with heaps of wheels. Mm. But, um, yeah. Um, now, me, to everybody uh, listening, to uh, our uh, to this great man. Great sure. man. Yeah. Good man, Ned. Thank you for those sentiments. It's very kind. Very good of you. All good, my, my bro, Stan. Cheers, good. buddy. There's, right. there's Ed. Beautiful words. Um, beautiful words. Uh, so do join in. 0800 150 811 is the number to ring up and join in. As I was saying to Ed, that um, you know, track and field is such a good base for, for future sports. I remember um, he was a one-game all-black Craig Wicks. He was the sprint champion in Manawa too, and then he turned up on the wing. And he was just rapid, and Sam was pointing to himself because Sam was a a jumper and a, and, and a sprinter, and you probably were a better football player because you had that speed that you earned through athletics. Oh, I'm totally. I was actually just going to say Wicks. Excuse me. Um, I, I ran with a with a Wicks in high school. I wonder if it was son of. Was it spelt W I C K E? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I wonder if it's son of. Might be. Name's Fraser Wicks, very, very good 400 meter run. I think he was running sub, you know, 49 seconds, like 48, 47, which was very quick for, mm. for high school. Um, oh, I, I would recommend to almost any kid or child athlete, you know, sort of going through those teenage years, no matter what sport they're playing, athletics is a fantastic supplement over summer. Mm. You know, obviously keeps you busy, but just the 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 fitness, uh, the, the fast twitch muscle fibres, it helps any sport and you, you bang on for my football. You know, it was that over summer that helped my anaerobic fitness, my, my, you know, got me my speed. But it's kind of funny because I've always thought of running as almost the purest form of sport, right? Yeah. Like all the all the sports we love and know, and, and I do love other sports more, all involve some sort of equipment. artificial equipment. Whereas running is literally just you and a track or a or a field or whatever it is, and you, you I mean, a lot of people say you, you're racing against yourself. Of course, you've got competitors, but you're just as much battling yourself mm. as you are anything else. Um, and so, man, I, I I I didn't grow up watching Snells and Halbergs and and um, Dixons etc. But I've always loved running. Mm. Always loved it. Always loved watching those events at the Olympics. Always respected those athletes. And um, yeah, it's um, they're sort of getting to that age now, aren't they, Steph? Where you know, sort of seeing a number of them get you know pass on, and it's uh, yeah, it's a sort of an era passing on, as it were. Yeah, we're in reflective moments, aren't we, at the moment? Because um, it's inevitable. And what do they say? Two two short, two shortest things in the world: it's death and taxes. But and, and it's going to happen. And, and I'm pleased he lived a full life. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to the, the chair of the foundation as well about what they do because they operate and they're probably a lot more big uh, in activity and um, integration through our societies than what people realise. So looking forward to chatting to them. Zaid from Auckland. G'day, Zaid. Hello, Zaid. Oh, dodgy phone. Completely gone, completely gone. Um, we'll get Zade to ring back, but do join in. 0800 150 your, your memories of um, New Zealand track and field moments, just in honour of Murray Helberg, and we've heard from one of his very good friends that he listens to the show all day, every day. So if he can, he will be listening now. So share some of those moments. I'd love to hear from you. 0800 150 give us a yell. 
Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We are sharing your favourite track and field moments in honour of Sir Murray Halberg, 0800 150 811, to share those memories. Zade from Auckland, let's try your phone again, Zade. Hello? Yes, it sounds better. Um, I was saying tomorrow I'm off to the uh, King of the Ring for the first time. Are you? Jeepers. Yeah, i got tickets to King of the Ring uh, light heavyweight. Um, the guy that I'm looking forward to watching is, uh, is Oscar Remihara. I think he's a guy from... CKB, so I'm hoping I'm hoping he can get up and win the uh, the eight man tomorrow. Um, another good one by the Breakers last night. Barry Brown Jr. 29 points, um, pretty easy win 110.84. Um, and the surprising football result this morning was Japan getting up over Spain 2-1. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of Asian people will be pretty happy this morning with Japan getting up there. Um, pretty big result beating. Spain and knocking out Germany for the second time in a row, they're not making out the group. Um, and probably um, one of the best running moments, I think, was it the was it the Olympics 2008? Was it Nick Willis who got the bronze medal? Yep, Nick Willis in yeah. um, Athens, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, Nick, Nick Willis. Um, and obviously, well, I don't never heard of too much of Samari Halberg, but he obviously did a lot for the people with disabilities, and he also. Um, Obviously, he got the Halberg Awards named after him, so he was obviously a great runner. Runner, sorry, won the 2000 and oh no, sorry, was it the 1960 gold medal? Yeah, he was. So, yeah, he actually got the Sportsman of the Year in 1958, I think it was, and then it went away. And he, when he retired, he bought them back. Um, so yeah. he he sort of bought them back, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. But no, nah, he was a great man's eight, and um, do a little bit of research yeah. on him. You might be blown away by by what he achieved. He was uh, an incredible man. But yeah, obviously uh, we we always watch the Halbergs every year. You know, it's always on, and never you always love seeing who who's won the awards. It's pretty much stacked by rowers, really, isn't it? And say and. Um, uh, Lisa Carrington, well, you know, she wins the Women's of the Year every year pretty much for about the last so many years she's been in there. Yeah. And their coach. Yep, yep, yep. But they're, they're absolute legends. <laughs> yeah, so, you they're know, pretty good, though. they win. Yeah. Good yeah. man's eight. Thanks for calling, buddy. All right. Let's, thank you. let's move on to Grant. G'day, Grant. G'day, Sam. How's it going, mate? Good. Thanks, Grant. Yeah. Yeah, I remember a day back in probably 86, 87, um, I ran out of. Ran a 200 meter race at Mount Smart, probably a race. I think it was just before John Walker's 104 minute mile. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think he had Edmund Codlin over. Well, I think it was Edmund Codlin. Eamon Codlin, yeah. Eamon Codlin, yeah. So that was, yeah, I think it was 86 or 87. And I ran the 200 meter the race just before it. Wow. Wow. Because I think a few, like, I think someone like, um, Steve Ovette or someone like that came over as well. I think it was someone, Scott? Uh, American? Oh, yes, yes. Was, yes, Scott, you're right. One of his Walker's mates. One of, one of Walker's mates. Because I was a rewa runner as well. Read at Manu Rewa the same club with John Walker. Mm, Steve Scott. I th- was it Steve Scott? Steve Scott. I think it was. No. Yeah. I think, oh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm, gonna, I'm pretty sure he had a good mate, an American guy as well, was there. Okay, and that so it was quite a quite a big day out of athletics. I know that because they was going for his hundredth four minute mile. Yeah, and I think there were, there were two guys that were in a race to get to a hundred first, and I think John Walker ultimately finished up with a hundred and thirty five sub four minute miles. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know what he ended up on. Yeah, what an so athlete. So that brings back an old memory. Yeah. That brings back a good day. Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. Fantastic memory. Thank you, sir. Uh, cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. Um, yes, Steve Scott. Um... One of the greatest milers in American history. Silver medal at the 1500 at the World Champs in 83. Um, he's got a number of American records, indoor records, etc. cetera. Uh, he was in the US team at the 84 Olympics, finished fifth in the five, uh, sorry, 1500 metres and also at the 1988 Olympics in Korea. Uh, he went to, well, he was going to go at the 1980 Olympics at Moscow, but of course didn't. Didn't go. Actually, there it is. He ran the sub four minute mile on 136 occasions. That's right, because that's why I remembered 135 because he beat John Walker's. I'm pretty sure John Walker was 135, so Steve Scott was 136. Yeah, 136. Um, feel free to call us in this first hour 0800 150 811. Memories, your great track and field memories, and Grant had a great one there running the 200 metres. I remember that mile race in Auckland because there was so much hype around it with John Walker going for 100. And before this morning, I never realised Sir Murray Halberg was the first to do a four minute mile, first New Zealander to do a four minute mile. And not only that, he ran 357 and change. So he. <laughs> comfortably under the, the four-minute mile. And I also learned that, uh, just, uh, I looked at it this morning, something like 31 New Zealanders have run a sub-four-minute mile and something like 22 of them have only done it once. Uh, Ten of the sub-four-minute miles have been run at Wanganui and one of the races at Wanganui, four athletes went under the four-minute mile and never did it again. Um, the four-minute mile, gosh, it doesn't mean as much nowadays as it did back then. I think John Walker was the first one to go under 350 with 349.7, I'm going to say it, Oslo or Gothenburg or somewhere like that. Um, so many wonderful track and field memories for New Zealand, which I'd love you to ring up and share on 0800 150 um, so many And the field as well. Um, Dame Val in recent times was wonderful. I remember when Beatrice won her won her title as well. It was fantastic because we hadn't, we'd been a long time out outside the field events. Of course, there was um, Yvette Williams was before my generation, but a real trailblazer as well. And someone texted in uh, New Zealand's only female Olympic track medalist was Maurice Chamberlain. She's got a bronze medal at the 64 Tokyo Olympics and she still holds the 440 and 880 yard. Thank you, Stephen. Um, is that our only track medalist? Oh, one. And this whole time, I'm just trying to think. I'm not trying to say you're wrong, Stephen. That's that's um, so Anne Aldain, probably not. What did Lorraine Moller, I guess that's not track. I think Lorraine Moller won a bronze at the Olympic marathon. Again, I'm just working off a foggy memory. Um, but yeah, your memorable track and field memories. Do please share them. 0800 150 811. Happy to take your calls after the new sport and weather. Store or Google Play today. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness.
Just had a text in from Linda, who's a great sports historian, and says, yes, Fraser Wicks is the son of Craig Wicks. And Linda texts in with a sad heart for Sir Murray. Rest in peace, Sir Murray. Thank you, Linda. Um, uh, I was going to say, I was try, I've been trying to think of um, iconic athletes, and probably you know, I mentioned that um, Jack Lovelock and Sir Murray, but even before them, um, Sir Arthur Porritt, and of course, famously, uh, he was in the Chariots of Fire 100 metre final and I'm just trying to remember I think the gold medalist was Harold Abrams and Arthur Porritt went on to be Governor General and I think he was the not a GP, what did they call them back in the day, he, he was the, the doctor to the medical uh, to the British Royal Family and of course Porritt Stadium in Hamilton is named after him and one of the big track meets is the Porritt Classic named after Sir Arthur Porritt um, so that Olympics, ooh, when was that Chariots of Fire Olympics? Was that about 1908? Mm, Am I going to go that far back? I can't quite remember. But um, yeah, he was third in that very famous 100 metre final. Of course, there was Jack Lovelock. Um, I mentioned uh, Yvette Williams, uh, Dame Yvette Corlett. Uh, she was a long jumper. Uh, she won... Gold medal uh, in the long jump at the 1952 Helsinki Olympics. And she's a very good basketballer and netballer as well. And uh, Norman Reed, the, the race walker, he, he was an incredible athlete as well. Um, he went to Melbourne. He won the Australian Champs and then went to Melbourne. And uh, 50K walk. My gosh, 50K walk. Of course, Peter Snell needs no inter- introduction. Um, so Peter Snell and, of course, Murray Helberg's gold medal, the race immediately before that was the 800 metres that Peter Snell, they called that the golden hour. Um, so Peter Snell, not not too long departed as well. Um, Barry McGee, quite often overlooked because he was in that in that era as well. He was one of Arthur Lydiard's stable as well. Uh, 1960 Rome Olympics, um, he went there and uh, he won the marathon bronze medal. Uh, which is a fantastic effort as well. Um, just so many, so many good athletes of of that era, and then in, in more recent times, Nick Willis, as Zade rang up and mentioned, it was just so good to have a uh, so good to have a um, middle distance runner back at the helm. It had been a bit of a gap. We've had the likes of Adrian Blinko and Co. Um, so it's like, yeah, there's just so many memories. Gary from Upper Hutt calls in. G'day, Gary. G'day, Steph. Uh, you, you just mentioned um, Jack Lovelock, and um, that's a bit before my time, so I don't actually remember him. But it's that um, the audio that they play every once in a while of him winning that race. Mm. I think it was at the Olympics, and it's obviously it's his mate it is. or somebody that knows him doing that call. And he's like, "Come on, Jack! Come on, Jack! You can do it, Jack!" <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's quite a cool bit of audio, you know. Like I say, it's a bit before my time. I don't actually remember it, but listening to that. Yeah, it's one of those ones. It's just, oh, yeah, that was obviously a pretty cool moment. Yeah, when he said, my God, Jack, you've done it. Yes, Jack, come on. My God, he's done it, Jack. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah, all the way yeah. down the last few, you know, yeah. sort of 60, 70 metres. It was, it was just, it was so much rawer then, I think. It wasn't, it wasn't as professional, and I think that made it a little bit oh. more endearing. Yeah, absolutely. It's these guys that just train hard and put the black signet on and, and do it, you know, do as good as they possibly can. 
Yeah, just Sorry, brilliant. A bit noisy here. That's all right, mate. You, you're, <laughs> doing the graft. you're doing the graft. You're doing the graft. But one that I do remember would be Alison Rowe. Alison Rowe oh, and yes. Rod Dixon. There was that those times where they just seemed to win all these marathons everywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they, they were amazing. Rod we, Dixon. we got Rod Dixon just after one, actually, so it'd uh, be good to have a chat to yeah, him. Yeah, that's like Errol Chester, strong runner, you know. It's just, yeah, it's quite cool. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome, Gary. Thanks for calling, right. buddy. Cheers. Cheers, yep. cheers buddy. Um, we've got the call that uh, I think it was Brian that Ricardo said called in. How long's the call, Sam? Do you know? It's roughly... Oh, let's play it out now. So this was a, a friend of Samari Helberg that called Mornings uh, with Ricardo this morning. If you missed it, here it is. I missed it, so I'm keen to listen. Yes, good morning. Um, I've been a personal friend for 62 years, and I was in Rome Stadium September 2nd, 1960, when Murray won the gold medal. And that evening uh, in my little hotel, I asked the manager, could he um, contact the New Zealand village? I'd like to speak to Murray. And uh, as it happened, it, he got through all right, and Murray came on the, uh, on the phone, and uh, we had chatted for a little while, congratulating him for his medal. And then... Uh, I used to visit the family down at uh, Waiheke many, many times. And uh, on some days, when the, the tide was out at Little Aniroa, Murray and I and his two sons, Carl and Stefan, we would go and play cricket on the hard sand. Uh, we might be there for a couple of hours at least. And Murray was quite a decent medium pace bowler and... Um, you had to be on your metal to uh, keep him out or else he'd knock your pins over. <laughs> but uh, we remained friends for a long, long time and uh, went to many of his dinners. And uh, I must tell you that when I visited him in hospital uh, a little while ago, he had his radio tuned to your station and he said it never goes off that frequency. So he used to lie in his bed and listen to your station and, and hear all the sporting things that were happening. And um, it's, it's quite sad, although we knew that it was inevitable that he would pass. When it does happen, it's pretty tough. Yeah, it, it it would be. I mean, eighty nine is you know is a good innings, I guess, as as they say. But it's always tough yes, when you lose. Yes, he turned eighty nine on July the seventh this mm. year. Mm. But always tough, Brian, when you lose a friend, someone that's so close as you've been with him. Oh yeah, we we had great times down there. Picnics down at Waiheke. We we'd go wine tasting and we, as I say, played cricket, and we also had a few rounds of golf at the. Uh, Anitangi Golf Club down there, and we did a lot of things, and and we just chew the fat, so to speak, you know, about sport. Mm. We just mention a few names, and then we just quietly talk about them, and uh, yeah, it was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So it's a sad time, but a blessing in a way because um, uh, you know he, he wasn't enjoying what was happening to him, but. Um, what a legacy he has left. Mm. Brian there, who called in, uh, a friend of Samari. Um, thank you for calling the show um, or the station today, Brian. Wonderful, wonderful memories. And 
that's the thing I always find when one of these greats passes away. It's like we don't really know the person, and we we it's not by right that we should know them. But um, that's why we're going to dedicate one to two to the life and times of Sir Murray and, and I've, I've tried to line up different different angles for you so we've got uh, Rod Dixon the great athlete coming on just after one o'clock uh, Fiona Allen chief executive of Paralympics and I can't I can only imagine the impact that he's had and we've got wonderfully high performing para athletes now and he was probably part of that um, early movement to get to get them the opportunity and the programs and of course Carolyn Steele she's the chair of the Helberg Foundation and the impact and the importance of Sir Murray Helberg uh, from their point of view the legacy he's left why he started it what he was like to work with um, and what the future looks like for the Helberg Foundation they do so much good work and I, I was lucky enough to spend a bit of time up there a couple of years ago um, in their offices and the passion, like you know, you walk into some workplaces and everyone's really invested in what they do. That's the Helberg Foundation. The people there have got smiles on their face because they work hard at bringing joy to others who may not be able to attain that joy on their own. And that, to me, speaks volumes of Sumari. That was his vision way, way, way back, and it carries on. And they're such an important component of our sporting framework at the moment the Helbig Foundation so we'll be catching up with them as well. Feel free to text in memories if you can't make a phone call 8833 is the Temper Post text machine or you can call us 0800 150 it's Afternoons with Staffy in association with Gull they fuel your mission all year round gull.nz to find out where your economical fuel stop is. We'll be back with your calls Do call after the break Gull, fueling your mission Pop into your local for some good value fuel Gull.nz. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. Coming up to 10 to 1. Um, here's a good story from JD in Mount Eden. Uh, Staff, my dad used to see Murray Helberg religiously doing knee raises running up the ridiculously steep Air Street in Parnell in Auckland in 1959. When Samari went for home two laps out at Rome the following year, dad knew he wouldn't stop. <laughs> I just love the, I love the stories of the old school training. They're like um, Lydia used to take them into the into the Waitakere's and just run them and run them and run them. Um, and I don't I don't recall some of his athletes like um, Barry McGee and Bill Bailey, those types of guys. Um, but Dick Taylor, gosh, Dick Taylor, nineteen seventy four Commonwealth Games. I saw Dick Taylor on the news last night, tearing up, talking about. Um, Samari Helberg um, and I was talking about memories of great New Zealand athletes um, that you may remember I mean John Davies he was a wonderful athletics commentator after his career but he was a, he, I think he was a bronze medalist in, in an 800 or a 1500 at a, at a um, Olympic Games um, Les Mills of course the the gymnasium that's been named after him the, the, the gym movement he was a shot put and discus thrower um, so many great athletes. Um, so many. Sammy. Oh, you're talking to someone on the phone. He's talking to someone on the phone. Um, who else can I remember? Oh, Roy Williams. Was he decathlete? Decathlete as well. I, I met him once. And I remember ages ago, and I'm, and I'm thinking it was in the John Walker, Rod Dixon, Dick Quacks era, and I think they chucked them all together and went to the World Cross Country Champs. And I, I can't remember if they won it. But we had so many good athletes, and they 
Does anyone out there remember that? Can you confirm or deny that, you athletics aficionados? In fact, Rob Dixon might even remember. Don't see in the team. I can't remember. I'll, I'll put that to him when I talk to him sort of uh, just after one. Um, so that'll be good. That'll be good. We talked to Craig from Tauranga. G'day, Craig. G'day, Steph. Good, thanks, Craig. Good. Um, not really athletics, but um, I really enjoyed, I'm enjoying watching Hayden Wild obviously living in, mm. in Tauranga. It's got that, that connection and, and that uh, that Olympic triathlon final with the, with the race with Alex Yee. Uh, that was pretty awesome, and and also um, you know up and coming with Santana, um, you know being a bay boy as well. So keeping an eye on those two youngsters, which is really good. But what I what I really wanted to ring for is um, almost ask a favour, I guess, of, of SENZ and and also just the general sporting public. Just when I kind of think that you know Murray Helberg, he, I, I don't know, I might not know anything or, or much about him at all, never met him or anything, but kind of feel like he would want us to be celebrating sports. So the Helberg Awards, we, we tend to always get into into the negative of who didn't get nominated yep. or, or who didn't win the award. And I'd really like it just to be positive, you know, like um, celebrate those who do, you know, and, and not necessarily get so negative about it, um, which we've all been guilty of, me too. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I kind of get the feeling that, that uh, he would rather us embrace and, and celebrate those that win rather than be negative about who who hasn't. So that's my request for the next Helbergs coming up. Perfect request too, Craig. Thanks for making that. That's awesome. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Okay. And I, I concur with Craig because the times uh, when I had a couple of days up at the Helberg uh, Foundation, they were quite upset that all the talk was about how come they got nominated and they didn't get nominated. That wasn't what it was set up for. It was to celebrate sport, not say who won. And I can't believe Ruby Tui won and Portia Woodman didn't. That's not what it's well, about. Imagine being one of the nominees and all anyone saying is, oh, it should be that person. He should be there. How would you feel as one of the nominees? Yeah, I know. Crazy. Crazy. All right. Uh, another one's come in. Uh, Joey from Auckland. G'day, Joey. Yeah, go, Steph. Uh, I was just talking to your, your producer, um, Precious McKenzie, mate, the little fella, uh, weightlifter. Yeah. Um, and when I was a young kid, um, unbelievable, mate. You know, came over, I think, from South Africa or, or from that side, you know, and, um, you know, won gold. And, and Murray Elbert, Murray Elberg, you know, fantastic. I mean, I only saw a clips of him running and that, but um, what he's done for New Zealand athletics and sport, just unbelievable. And, and, and just a humble man. And God bless him, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, and the likes too of Dick Quacks, obviously probably being said, Dick Quacks and Rod Dixon and those guys, John Walker. I was around in that era, uh, staff probably like you, and, and, and saw the, the Commonwealth Games in, in 76 and, and Dick Taylor winning. I mean, that was just unbelievable because he wasn't expected to win 10,000 metres. It's absolutely brilliant, you know. Mm. Um, it stays in your mind for forever, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. John Walker, I, I saw him run against Forward Bay, finishing second and then breaking the, the, the world record, um, you know, under 350, um, 349, like you said, 349.7. Just, just fantastic New Zealand athletes um, that just been, we're so humble, you know, and, 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 and that's the beauty about Kiwis, I think. You know, we, we, we're such a humble um, a lot, you know, really. Um, and what we we overachieve unbelievably and we're so good about it, you know, just just fantastic. Yeah, great so, memories. Great memories, Joey. Thanks, yeah. buddy. 
Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, earlier, I was struggling to remember the word that they used back in the day when um, Sir Murray Helberg, uh, sorry, Sir Arthur Porrett was the GP or the doctor for the royal family. His correct title was the physician. Physician was the title for the royal medical doctor or GP. Posh people also call their doctor their physician. I'm going to start calling my GP my physician. Sounds a bit more posh. Um, Joseph Romano's or Keith Quinn could confirm, but I think the Helberg Awards came after the New Zealand Sports, <clears throat> excuse me, after the New Zealand Sports Journalism uh, Journalist Association approached him. The awards were put back. The awards were back in the day nominated by sports journalist members. One year, I think Bone Crusher was nominated. I think I remember that. Um, Staff, New Zealand's only female track athlete, Maurice Chamberlain, won the silver medal at the 880. And Perth 1962 Com Games, same day Murray won gold in the three miles. Stephen, you're a fountain of knowledge. Brilliant. After the news, we're going to replay the opening of the show that we did at midday for all the new listeners that are joining us after Rural Roundup. And Rob Dixon, straight on the back of that. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Just gone one o'clock. Welcome in, folks. Welcome to the people that have been listening to the Rural Roundup. We've been, we're about to actually commemorate the life and times of Sir Murray Halberg. And uh, in the first hour, if you weren't here, we were recalling our favourite track and field moments. Um, But we introduced, we paid uh, a respect to Sue Murray Halberg and his career at the top of the show at 12, but because most of you have been away, we thought we would start this hour with it, and at the end of that we'll be talking to athletics great Rod Dixon. Here's the opener. So Murray Helberg exemplified the Olympic spirit of triumphing over adversity. He was badly injured while playing rugby when he was 17, and after months of rehabilitation, he was left with a severely damaged shoulder and a withered left arm, and he had to teach himself to do everything, everything from writing to eating with his right hand. From that incident arose the will and the courage of a true champion. Helberg won the Olympic 5,000 gold medal in 1960 and the Empire Games three-mile golds in 1958 and 1962. Still leading, followed by Scott and Halberg of New Zealand. But out of the blue, Murray Halberg puts on a sprint which leaves the rest nowhere. The crowd roars as he speaks for the tape with a good 60-yard lead. The time, 13 minutes, 15 seconds. Smashing the Games record by 20 seconds and collecting the Empire, British National and British All-Timers record... In 1958, he became the first New Zealander to break four minutes for the mile. And he was really, he really was the first great athlete to emerge from the Arthur Lydia stable. Sir Murray was born in Ekatahuna, but he grew up in Auckland. And he was a handy cricketer before his unfortunate accident, but was already starting to enjoy some success as a runner. And the chance to watch the 1950 Auckland Empire Games fueled his desire further. His talent was nurtured by Lydiard with his endurance training method. It took Halberg a while to mature as an athlete. 
There were less than impressive efforts at the 1954 Empire Games and the 1956 Melbourne Olympics before he stepped up into the top of the world class. And at Melbourne, he reached the final of the 1500, but he ran a poor tactical race. He slipped back through the field to almost finish last. He was devastated, and he vowed to himself that he would return to the Olympic stage and fulfil what he believed was his destiny. That destiny? To be an Olympic champion. By 1960, he was favoured to win the Olympic 5,000 metres. He and Lydia decided on the same tactics he'd successfully employed at the 1958 Cardiff Empire Games. Sprinting clear with three laps remaining and then holding on. It was a tactic that called for boldness, tenacity and braveness. Halberg had all of those in spades. Spurred on by stablemate Peter Snell's victory in the 800 metre final just before his race, Halberg carried out the plan perfectly. He put 20 metres on the field with a sudden burst and held that margin all the way to the tape. Coming up now to the finish, 20 yards, 5 yards to go. A magnificent victory for Murray Halberg of New Zealand in a time which we make 13 minutes, 14.9 seconds. A new British Empire and Commonwealth British all-comers, British national record. He continued running until the Tokyo Olympics in 1964 where he finished 7th in the 10,000 metres but by then he was past his best and when he retired he did do some coaching but he preferred to pour his energy into his new form trust. Helberg, he was voted the New Zealand Sportsman of the Year in 1958 and was knighted in 1988 and in 1990 was inducted into the New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame. At the turn of the century he had a battle with cancer but he returned to good health and assisted the 2002 Commonwealth Games team in Manchester as a mentor. So good in that role, he filled it again for the 2004 Athens Olympics. While he's a champion athlete, it is his desire to help others through his foundation that will endure for all time. Sir Murray Halberg, 1933 to 2022, Olympic champion, New Zealand legend, Kiwi icon. For many that couldn't, now they can. For many that wouldn't, now they will. New Zealand is indebted to your unrelenting commitment and service. So Murray Halberg, thank you. Yes, he's going to be dearly, sorely missed, uh, not only by athletes, but just New Zealanders. And joining us now, and I'm very... Uh, very privileged to welcome onto the show Rod Dixon himself, an Olympic medalist, New York Marathon winner. Um, but it's about Samari today, Rod Dixon. Sad news for the athletics community. Absolutely, and 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 for the world. Um, I did a I did a uh, interview this morning out of Boston, and they had nearly thirty thousand people on that uh, on that listening to it. And the the comments were that they had they had researched they had found out who this Sir Murray Hilberg was, and they were overwhelmed by what he did not only as an athlete but as a human giving back to his community and providing opportunities for disabled uh, challenged athletes to have equal opportunity at the Olympics right through and it was just I mean, it was just unbelievable to hear it. And so New Zealand is mourning, mourning, but the world is, the world is. Yes, and rightly so, because he's such a, he's, 
He's just enabled so many people to live a richer life, Rod Dixon. Um, yeah. And like we, we've we've done some talk back in the first hour, and a lot of people resonate with your era and Dick Quacks and John Walker and those athletes. But you guys probably resonated with the Lovelocks, the Halbergs, the Bill Baileys, those John Davies, those sorts of guys. And absolutely, absolutely, it was almost as if. Uh, and 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 the times that John and Dick and Tony Powell and myself travelled Europe, and we said we we often said that Helberg, Snell, McGee, uh, Bailey have passed the baton to us, and so we we go out there now. It's up to us to carry on this incredible tradition and uh, honour to be in Europe because they had been there in the 60s. And we were there now in the 70s, and 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 uh, and certainly to to communicate with with Murray and the team over the years has been amazing. Uh, they inspired me as Sir Edmund Hillary uh, to give back, and I've been a patron of the Challenge Athletes Foundation out of San Diego, and they have just raised hundreds of millions of dollars based on what Murray Hilberg, what Sir Murray Hilberg created opportunities for challenged and disabled uh, children, kids, adults. It, you don't have to be an athlete. It's just giving them opportunity to be the best that they can be. Can you, can you tell me about when you were on the world stage and you were one of the premium athletes in the world, um, did he have connections with you? Did he talk to you? Did he visit you? Did he encourage you? Oh yes, well he. I mean, obviously, even in our day, we were as amateur <laughs> as as they were, and so therefore, I mean, we weren't able to to um, travel. Arthur Lydiard, of course, was a coach in uh, Denmark and and Finland, uh, and so therefore, he was often at some of the meetings that we were at. But when we came home to New Zealand, we would always go and visit Murray in his shop and tell him what we were doing and thanking him for what he and the others did to provide opportunities for us. Yeah, it's brilliant. And did he have that sort of, just in his presence, I've heard former All Blacks or All Blacks saying, you know, Colin Meads would walk into the dressing room and there was just there was just a thing about him. Did Sir Murray <laughs> have that? Yes, he did. And, and yet, you know, when we... And everybody would ask for a photograph, and we would all and I and I'd be looking around. I think, and Murray would be in the back row. He would be in behind. He never he never was on the front row. He never he was always there, but he didn't want to be first and foremost. You know, and that was and 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 I think a lot of people recognised he was a humble gentleman, and he just delivered. And that's what I think we started to understand, that you can grandstand and you can cheer to the crowd, but it comes from the heart. And the heart sometimes just says, hey, just stand in the back row. You don't have to be in the front Hollywood all the time. <laughs> and Murray was, then that was, that's where he was. And when we, and I uh, worked very early with the, uh, with the, um, uh, the Helberg Awards, uh, and and he was always allowing others to speak up and to and to give ideas. It was never always his 
domination. It was a very gentle man. Yeah, and that's, that's I think, going to be my endearing thing for him. Everything he did wasn't for the fanfare, wasn't for the record. It was for personal achievement. And um, and then he finished competing himself, and he said, how can I turn this into to help others? And he went about it with no pomp and ceremony. But we're going to be talking to the chair of the foundation. We're going to be talking to the chief executive of the Paralympics about his impact, and I'm looking forward to hearing the input. He, he was such a selfless man. Absolutely. He, he, he did. And as I say, he inspired what has been going on in the US with the Challenged Athletes Foundation and anybody who was just Google that. And that was the inspiration and what they have done for, for Paralympians, for parafed, for, for, for athletes all over the world who have been given the opportunity to, to participate. And it's not, it's not, you know, it's never been about, you know, winning and championships and everything else. It's participation. And uh, and and uh, I know that even with Sherman Hillary, you know he he never said to anybody he was the first at the top of the hill, I mean the mountain. Uh, he he uh, you know he always you know, included uh, Tenzing Norgay, and 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 Murray Hilberg was of the same mould, uh, a gentle, giving back person. Brilliant, Rod, and I know you do a lot of work in that area as well, so we thank you for doing that as well. Uh, Rod, I really enjoyed talking to you today as we uh, honour Sir Murray. really appreciate your time. Thank you. Best wishes to everybody. There he is, the great Rod Dixon. Um, incredible influence on his life and his career, and you can just hear through the words of Rod Dixon that the lessons he learned off Sir Murray Halberg weren't so much on the track, it was off the track. And that's the measure of the man who can have that much influence on a great like Rod Dixon. We'll take a break. On the other side, we're going to catch up with Fiona Allen. She is the Chief Executive of Paralympics New Zealand. And let's talk to her about the influence of Samari Halberg on their movement. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. We are honouring Sir Murray Helbig and the fantastic work he's done over a, a long and, gosh, a, a life full of results. And someone and in a movement that's clearly been affected in a positive way is Paralympics New Zealand. And joining us, I'm very grateful that Chief Executive of Paralympics New Zealand, Fiona Allen, joins the show. Good afternoon, Fiona. Good afternoon. Sad day, eh, for everyone involved. And so many people have been touched by Sir Murray. Yeah, absolutely. A very sad day, and um, on hearing the news, um, had had a wee tear um, mm-hmm. with regards to the, the news, and and yet, you know, quickly sort of go into remembering, um, and then looking at celebrating what was, as we all know, uh, such a fabulous life, and and by such an amazing individual. Yeah, what. What you got to know him quite well. I think you worked for quite a while alongside him. What will be your enduring memories of Sir Murray? I had the absolute pleasure. I um, was a Halberg Trust um, Sport Opportunity Advisor and um, worked under the, the stewardship of Sir Murray um, Halberg um, in 2004. And and I guess my my recollection back in that time is is that. 
whenever you're in the presence of Sir Murray, you, you had those steely blue eyes and fixes uh, on you for a moment in time and you knew that you um, were in the presence of greatness, uh, but also you felt um, the, the complete sincerity and, and kindness of a gentleman, a family man, and, and someone that was wise, generous, and caring. Um, so Murray would always ask in the, in the times that I met with him, and they were many, um, with regards to how I was doing, always interested in me as an individual, and taking the time to listen. Um, and I guess then, then that sort of belief in, that he had in people um, is, is just instilled into those that had the, um, the pleasure of having met Sir Murray and knowing the type of individual that he was. I was going to say what debt did Paralympics owe to <clears throat> Sir Murray, but he'd, he'd never view it like that. But what's the impact of the Paralympic movement that's, that an individual like Sir Murray has had? Well, Sir Murray, as we all know, competed in 1960. He had a weathered arm. Um, he, he demonstrated truly what was possible um, for an individual that had an impairment and, and overcoming that and representing at the highest possible level and winning gold for New Zealand in 1960. And, and we as a Paralympic movement, I mean, we, we started in 1968, so that was eight years after that. Mm. Um, and so the legacy that he has um, had with regards to his performance on the field, but then as we've all seen, the, the belief and, and vision that came from that, that regardless of anyone's ability, that anything is possible. And he's a last, obviously a lasting legacy with the, the work of which the Halberg um, Foundation, Halberg Trust as it was when I was there, have had on so many people and so many of our Paralympians that have come through the, and had support from the Halberg Foundation over many years. Was he a man that... Um sort of exuded pride when he saw the Paralympians on the world stage. Um, you know, Sophie Pascoe was synonymous with champion. Did he, did he sort of beam, did he enjoy at that top level? I know he was about community and giving all people the ability, but at the pinnacle, what was his reaction to the performance of the Paralympians? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember the day for you, Fiona, when I um, worked, moved from the Helberg um, Trust into Paralympics New Zealand. I remember him imparting the words that you'll be able to do amazing things with an amazing group of people um, that will allow them to, to achieve their goals. And I think that was the, the essence of the man uh, with regards to it all starts in the community. But then for those that, that have the, the goals, that have the absolute um, drive to go on and um, be the best they can be, he, he was that man. He did that at the Olympics. He wanted to see that for, for New Zealanders. And he's a man who was very proud New Zealand, a very proud New Zealander. And to see other New Zealanders uh, perform on the world stage um, did give him a sense of strong pride and... And you could just see in his face the, 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 the essence of doing good for future generations and this is what can be achieved if we all collectively work towards the same goal. And, and it was a very humble man. I mean, we'd never talk about the, 
the impact that he or he he's having, but you could just tell um, that there was a sense of this is the right thing to do, and we're doing some really good things for really great people. Yeah, because people do big things and amazing things, and they do it for medals. They do it for financial reward. They do it for recognition. Why did Sir Murray do what he did post career, post athletics career? Well, I believe he did it, and this is a very strong value of Paralympics New Zealand because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing. It's 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 to bring out the best of people regardless of whether you've got a disability or not. And he probably drove him even further and harder with regards to um, being able to create a difference from a community that may have experienced discrimination or difference all of their lives and knowing that he could, in his way, through the workings of the the trust and through him um, demonstrating what's possible, um, be able to make some difference with the way in which society thought and think about what people with a disability in New Zealand can achieve. And that's not in New Zealand. I mean, that that has um, ripple effects globally um, through the works um, and through his legacy that he now um, continues to leave for so many. Yeah, we sorely missed Ronnie um, by, you know, Paralympics, by so many factions and segments of society, but um, he's going to be really missed. He will be really missed. And on behalf of our Paralympians, I know many have uh, made tributes and had a, a connection with Sir Murray through their, their um, starting out at the, at the Hellwood Games and all being supported with the first piece of equipment. That It's his legacy that's created that. And so... A massive, massive contribution to so many disabled people in New Zealand and through doing so, I think has helped shape all New Zealanders to think differently about what disabled people can achieve. So that, that impact is much greater than disabled people. It's, it's the impact upon New Zealanders. Bang on. He's a great example of what you can do um, if you really believe in something. Fiona, um, I really appreciate your time. Um, Paralympics is, is certainly a source of pride for all New Zealanders and all they achieve at the, not only the Olympics but in all sport really so keep doing your good thing as well Fiona um, sympathies go out to you and all of your colleagues as well who I know will be hurting at this time but I really appreciate you talking to us today Well our thoughts are with Lady Phyllis and mm. um, the family and everyone that um, his, his um death has has meant um, and thoughts are with everyone at this time as well and it just shows what a difference that one person can make and the impact that they can have on the world bang on bang on thank you so much Fiona thank you Fiona Allen there she's the chief executive of Paralympics New Zealand and there you go just talking to Fiona who's she did work at the Halberg was the trust it's now the foundation and moved over to Paralympics and you can just hear in her in, in her way, how much Samari has guided her and helped her and inspired her, and that's the that's the word, isn't it? Inspiring, and providing opportunity for for New Zealanders of all ability and disability. Samara Helberg, um, recent passing, very very sad. We'll take a break for new sport and weather. After that, we're going to catch up with the chair 
of the Helberg Foundation. Her name's Carolyn Steele. On the impact, uh, the importance of Samari Helberg and um, what it's been like, why he set it up, what it looks like in the future. That'll be coming up uh, not too long after the news. Uh, welcome back in. Just gone one thirty. Um, Australian Open golf is on Spark Sport. Uh, just having a quick look at the leaderboard. Currently leading. In fact, he was the overnight leader. Still leading. Hasn't teed off yet. Tees off in about about an hour. I think Delwood Mikaluzzi. I'm going to go with seven under. Uh, Hayden Barron is second. He's 17 holes through his, his second round. He's at four under. So, gosh, Michaluzzi, three-shot lead and hasn't hit a ball today in his second round. Uh, so at four under is Hayden Barron and Pierre Pinot. Josh Geary had a fantastic round yesterday of 68. He's one over through 17 today. He sits tied fourth. Uh, the, key, the other Kiwis, Ryan Fox, is an absolute tear today. Disappointing round uh, yesterday of 73, but he is five under on today's round. Started the day in 100th place. He's now tied 11th. Go you, beauty. He's played 15 holes today. He's five under through those 15, up to tied for 11th. Also tied 11th, Nick Voke. Uh, he will tee off just after 2 o'clock. Uh, just before 3 o'clock, Denzel Yeremia, who was an early leader in the tournament. He's tied 11th as well. And then we go down to Luke Toomey at one over. Michael Hendry, two over. Harry Bateman, two over. Ben Campbell, a uh, round he'd like to forget. Yesterday, shooting an 81, and he's going to battle to make the cut. Uh, women's side of the draw, of course, the men and the women both playing. Uh, so Yon Roo uh, is four under today through 14. She's seven under, tied in the lead with Australian Grace Kim. And the pre-tournament favourite, Minji Lee. Uh, is five under. She has played 16 holes off her round today. Kiwi's sitting good. They haven't teed off yet. So uh, about 3.30 for Munchen K. Uh, she's tied ninth. Nice first round of 69 yesterday. She's at three under. And two under is Momoka Kaburi tied 12th. So top two Kiwis are tied ninth and 12th. Just checking if there's uh, Fiona Zhu. Is she? A, I think she might be a Kiwi amateur at four under. I think she might be a Kiwi amateur. Um, so, yeah, both tournaments going on. Uh, so that is the ISPS Handa Australia Open. It is live. It's uh, second round today. They'll have the second, third and fourth round all live on Sky Sport. You're on Afternoons with stuff, Staffy. Stuffy. Stuffy. <laughs> Old Stuffy. I, t- I was just actually thinking it's getting stuffy in here because I had to turn the aircon off because it was so cold. Maybe we should call it Afternoons with Stuffy until they change the aircon and then we'll go back to Staffy. Oh, look, they're getting on. We've only been here a year, so, you know, they'll get on to it. Hey, um, sorry, how was Luke Toomey doing? Got a lot of money on him. You've lost a lot of money on him. Oh, well, he's tied 64th. Well, here's the thing. He was on, one, He was one over yesterday, okay? So is Ryan Fox. Ryan Fox is now tied 11th. So Toombs is going to have to get a four or five under. Just do what Foxy does. You do a fo- Hit it 350. Yeah, why not? Hit it 350. Yes. Um, it's good stuff. Um, as you'll come on telly very shortly, actually. So we'll bang that up there on our Spark Sport. We stream it. Chuck it up on here. Um, the good crew. 
afternoons with stuffy that's got a ring to it um, our good friends at gold join us every day for four hours from 12 to 4 gold.nz they fill your mission all year round now next next after the break we're going to catch up with the chair of the Helberg foundation um you get to days like this and you feel a bit bad that you're on the death of someone you want someone to talk about them straight away but because um, you you want people to be allowed to mourn and that sort of thing so I did I did give the option, but um, they do such great work, the Helberg Foundation. They have agreed to come on. So the chair of the Helberg Foundation, Carolyn Steele, will be joining us after this break. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, it's a bit of a privilege today to be able to have on such a hard moment I'm sure for everyone at the Helberg Foundation we have the chair of the Helberg Foundation on with us now Carolyn Steele first of all uh, deepest sympathies to all there's so many people affected and and I suppose it's um, a, a very sad moment for everyone involved uh, that you work with. Yes it's been very sad news for the foundation thanks, thanks Mark for having me on today. Um I want us to get to know Murray a little bit better. Like the accolades he's he's had over the years is very well deserved. He's a, he's a massively respected New Zealander. Just first of all, why did why did Murray set up the foundation in the first place? Well, so Murray really acknowledged all the benefits that he had experienced with his involvement in sport, and he often talked about not just the physical benefits, but the friendships, the travel the highest of his achievements and the confidence that those achievements bring. And so Murray understood that having a disability himself, that disabled young disabled people often face many barriers in participating in sport. And it was actually attending a conference in Canada that triggered Murray's idea, uh, where he decided to reinvigorate the Sportsman of the Year Awards. He was the last winner in 1958. And he decided to bring those awards back and raise money to help children participate in uh, sport and his aim was really that all disabled New Zealanders regardless of their physical ability had the opportunity to experience the benefits of sport. Look, I was lucky enough just to meet Samari once and just immediately you resonate with the selfless character that he was. Everything he seemed to do was for the betterment of others and others that didn't have an equal opportunity, and I, I think you know just a brilliant man. So, so the foundation obviously would have been a small, a small start. How's it? How has it developed and grown over the years? Yes, you're right. It was quite small in 1963. It was uh, mainly focused around the sportsman awards and uh, the money that that would raise to then be distributed via grants and. It started growing in 1969 when the Eagles Golfing Society came on board and they started having golfing events around the country to raise more money. And since then, over $5 million has been raised via those events and distributed directly to the youth of new, disabled youth of New Zealand. Um, but now the foundation has evolved even more than just funding for grants for equipment or swimming lessons. And now we actually have a nationwide team of 11 advisors and they provide advice to our families. Um, they deliver inclusion training. We also have a youth council who helps to educate and raise awareness 
and advocate for inclusion. And we also hold the Halberg Games, and the Halberg Games are a national event uh, where young people can represent their region, they can take pride in competing, and they can try out new sports. And I guess importantly, and in accordance with Sir Murray's uh, wish as well, that people make these friendships and connections and just have fun. So what area, like, seems like a silly question here, but the areas of society that are positively impacted by the foundation, it must be so far-reaching. That's right, yes. I mean, obviously the, the key focus has been the disabled Tamariki Rangitahi of New Zealand, and they've experienced the main benefits. But I think when you look at the sporting sectors and the education sectors, you can see the impact there through the teachers and the coaches, and they've gained confidence in being given tools and raising the awareness of how they can include people um, so that people reg- can be included regardless of their ability. I wanted to ask you about Samari's vision. Like, he was very driven. What kept him going? Uh, yes. Well, he did have a strong vision. Uh, I can't claim to know Sir Murray very well personally, but I imagine the same levels of resilience that kept him going in a 5,000-metre race or a 40-kilometre training run were applied to all aspects of his life. And I know like he did with his running and surrounding himself with great coaches and great um, training partners, he also surrounded himself with some great people at the, um, at the foundation over the last 60 years. And I really think it's just the fact the foundation is still here almost 60 years on really means people believed in his vision. And uh, I think his vision is of an inclusive New Zealand is still very relevant today. Very sad loss to New Zealand and to your foundation. How will it impact the foundation? Because it could go one of two ways, but I get a feeling, as you say, he he surrounded himself with can-do and want-to-do type people. Um, in, a, in, a, in a roundabout sort of way, it may even re-energise an already energetic foundation. Yes, uh, well, certainly Sir Murray's loss is heartfelt across the foundation and our thoughts are with Lady Phil and Sumari's family and I guess while we respectfully mourn Sumari we are also celebrating a life that just has had an incredible impact across thousands of New Zealanders over the years so you're right Mark I think we'll be totally committed to ensuring that the work that Sumari began in 1963 continues for many years to come. And I'm sure there'll be an amazing celebration of his life at the next Helbergs, which aren't too far away. And it's it's one of my favourite sporting events, in inverted commas, of the year because I got to know the people at the Helberg Foundation a couple of years ago, just before COVID actually, and saw and witnessed and took the time to learn about what it means. And it's not just about recognising people in sport. It's a massive funder to give people the ability to play sport that might not have had that ability. That's the message out there. That's right. The Helpers Awards are a celebration of sporting excellence, but also raising an awareness of uh, the need and the barriers um, for children out there. Well, you're doing great work at the foundation, and I know um, while he's gone, his foundation will live on for a long time, and um, he'll be very proud of all of the work that he's done, and I hope he had time to reflect while he was still here about the improvement and the advancement he's made in so many people's lives, and 
in New Zealand. I think what he's done, I mentioned earlier, selfless. He's been energetic and he's been relentless in his drive and he's been successful. And um, just hearing your kind words on a very sad day for all of you, I'm sure. Uh, I really appreciate it and I look forward to the foundation going from strength to strength and, and helping so many Kiwis. I think what you do is brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Yes, we certainly feel privileged to be involved in this charity. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Now, you've been hearing us all month saying... Um, there's a prize up for grabs for the Able Living Caller of the Month. We're in a new month now. It's the 2nd of December, so we're going to contact the winner of that uh, later on in the show. I don't know what time you've got that slotted in for Sammy. Just after three. Just after three. All yep. right, so stand by your phones if you called into any show across the month of November, and we're going to ring someone and tell them they've won the Oklahoma Joe's Black Jack Charcoal Kettle Grill just in time for summer. Fantastic, fantastic. And summer, longer days, perfect time to, I don't know, play four rounds of golf in a day. Why don't you? Why don't you? That's part of the Cancer Society's Longest Day Golf Challenge. It's on right now. You register for the longest day at longestday.org.nz, raising funds for Cancer Society. Everyone gets affected by the, the shock of that is cancer at some stage, whether it's you or a family member or a friend. So it's a good time to... Go and play some golf, raise some money for Cancer Society. Um, get your mates together. Do it on your own. Do it with friends or do it with a sports team, whatever. Longestday.org.nz is where you register for the Longest Day Golf Challenge. And while I'm talking golf, let's have a little uh, update because the mornings, quite a few of the morning rounds are finishing, are finishing up. Um, and the Australian Open, thank you very much to Spark Sport. That's where you can follow all four rounds live. Josh Gary birdied his final hole. Still in second, but he's closed the gap. He's now five under. So he's just two off the, the lead, which is David, I need to find out how to say this name, Michaluzzi. We'll go with Michalusi. Michalusi. He tees off uh, just before three o'clock. So he's still an hour away from teeing off. Shot 63 yesterday. 63 at the Victorian Golf Club, of course, he, which means he'll be playing Kingston Heath today. Uh, so Josh Geary shooting one under today to go with his four under from yesterday. So he's sitting pat. So he is the clubhouse leader alongside uh, Hayden Barron, an Australian. The other Kiwis, uh, Ryan Fox has two holes remaining today. Um, he's five under the card for today's round. He's currently sitting tied 13 as is Nick Voak, who will be getting underway just after 2 o'clock, so we'll keep up to date with Nick. 13th, uh, Denzel Yeremia is teeing off an hour after that. He's at tied 13th as well. Luke Toomey, um, tied 63rd at 1 over. Michael Hendry, 2 over. Harry Bateman, 2 over, just outside the cut. Those two guys just need a little bit better today. And Ben Campbell, not a great day for him yesterday. Hopefully he can make some inroads. And on the women's side, both Kiwi women that are towards the top of the leaderboard uh, haven't teed off yet. The lead is being held jointly now by So Yon Ru and Grace Kim, both on seven under. Pre-tournament favourite, Hovering. She's five under with one hole to go. That is Minji Lee. Um, so that is the ISPS Hander Australian Open update for you. Uh, as I say, the 
Coverage is live on Spark Sport. All four rounds. Um, that's how you get to go and watch it. Liveies. Liveies. Hey, Steph. Yes. Um, just someone mentioned here um, something about a book. I mean, it might have been you talking about um, a certain book that was out there. But um, I have you read um, Phil Knight's Shoe Dog about the Nike founder? No. There's two you've told me to read. It's that one. And- uh, Unbroken. Yeah. Louis Zamperini, the Italian well, American, Italian runner who ran at the Berlin Olympics and then plane went down in the war. Fantastic story. But um, Shoe Knight. Uh, no, Shoe Knight Shoe, and Phil Jackson was the two you talked about. Sorry, Phil Jackson. Yeah, sorry, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight and uh, Phil Jackson 11 ring, um, 12 ring. So um, Shoe Knight, the story about Nike, the reason why I bring that one up is, um, man, it was a real sort of, I don't want to say golden era. It's a very cliche thing to say, Steph, but there's sort of 60s, 70s running era um, with – um, the American that book obviously is a lot about Nike and Steve Prefontaine, um, but then you know we we had the um, the Dixons, the the Halbergs, the um, Snells, all those guys sort of in then around that time, and it's um, it really is almost like a golden period of running. It was like mm. a, a romantic period is probably mm. a better way of putting it, and I loved that book because it was all about the method of running and the obsession with you know outside of super. The obsession with uh, footwear and and training and and like Arthur Liddy had obviously revolutionised training and, mm. and running and all this sort of stuff. It's it's a good little book for people that are interested in that period of running, sort of the sixties. I watched a movie 60s, or a documentary on Prefontaine without limits. Yes, great film, amazing, such film. a good film. Yeah, yeah. Bill was, Bowman's in that. Well, yeah. as a character, yeah, yeah, fascinating. Um, but you're right. It was. It's and you mentioned at the top of the show. It's the purest form of sport because. There's no equipment, and when we talk about golf and tennis and the advancement of technology, we've always, always had two legs, two arms, just just a pair of shoes. You know, our training methods, yes, have got better, but possibly the purest form of sport. Anyway, we're coming up to two o'clock. Jeremy Paul show's not far away. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Birthday, Charlie. Happy birthday, champion. Champion. Hey, she's your birthday Jill. with Brittany. Britney Spears. Yeah. Two titans of the industry, <laughs> as they say. What and uh, Aaron Rodgers. His birthday. Yep. What would he be now? 55? 39, I think. He's getting on. He is. Go, Bills. <laughs> I think Bills are playing today. Uh, Thursday night football, I think they I are. Think actually. They are. Um, Throw it on. I'll keep my eye out for that. Um, now, Mark says, Staff and Sam, my swing for the fence was more a throw at the stumps and it missed. I'll pick myself up and go again. So that must have been how show me the money. Is it gone? Yeah, it was. Um, I was the, two cards, the two, two corners, two goals, two cards, was it? Two. 
two cars. I, I can oh. tell you. I can tell you exactly what it was. Thank you very um, much. Because it's in my bits here. Uh, it was no. It was a draw. Japan. Oh no! You went on oh, no, a Ricardo went draw. Japan, Spain. It was close. Um, and Mark went Croatia, Belgium. Both teams to score three plus corners for each team plus two plus cards. It was a nil all draw <laughs> between Croatia and Belgium. So, so what are we? Uh, so what? Was so, so mine, mine was uh, Dallas, Anaheim this afternoon. Okay, at a dollar eighty. And yours was uh, Australia. The two. Plus, goal start against Argentina on is that Sunday morning or Monday yeah, morning? Come on, so it'll be interesting. I'll be happy if ours get up. You <laughs> well, know? Yeah. Well, as, as a consolation. As a consolation. Uh, while we're talking that, um, from Kane, big UFC fan. Hey lads, anyone else thinking? Anyone else thinking of loading up on Bam Bam to Vasa? Yes, Tai to Vasa has a big uh, UFC fight, and uh, I just looked up his odds before, and now I've lost it. Uh, he was about two seventy. There he is, 270 against Sergei Pavlovich. Tied to Avasa at any price, he's one one punch away from winning. So in that matchup, at those prices, yes. I don't know if I'll load up large, but good price, don't need lots on. Don't need lots on. Um, it's gonna, that's a big card. Uh, afternoon, Staffanator. This is from Brian. Great job on the homage to Sir Murray Helberg. What a great human. After the Winger Tui harness this afternoon, first time I've ever been to a harness meeting. I hear it may be the last one here. Would you happen to know of a horse I can put the kids' lunch money and piggy bank on? Keep up the good work and happy Friday. Brian, I'll have a look for you. I'll have a look for you. In fact, isn't our... Pacing for Purpose horse racing today, Sam? No, I think it's our Greyhound that's during the show. Oh, and I think it was at 12.45. Oh, was it? So you go away and beaver up and... Oh, dear. Or shall I have... No, you no, go... You, no, you do it. You do it. What was it? It was Opawa something. Race two, I think, at Wingatui. Opa- uh, it was Opawa Louise. Louise? Louise. Wingatui? Uh, I think it was. Or was it the harness at Wingatui? Greyhounds Addington, race two. <sighs> what did you have? Power Louise. It's not race two. Phew. Isn't it? No. Um, I'll keep looking. No, I don't think it was race two. Here's some O-Powers. Here's a whole lot of O-Powers. O-Power Louise, number one. Yep. Congratulations. You finished fourth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Oh, well. Oh, well. We've still got an unassailable lead. Unassailable lead. A couple more text messages. Um... Go the Kiwis. It'll be great to see uh, a Kiwi win the Aussie Open. Happy Foxy's going good from John. And Ryan Fox is flying up the leaderboard in Australia. 600 with a few holes to play. He's probably just finished. I'll just refresh that page to keep you up to date. He had one hole to go last time I looked. Ryan Fox, remember the Aussie Open is available to you on Spark Sport. Ryan Fox, he's 17. If I refresh that, he might have finished... Come back to me, computer, with your refresh rate very slow. No, Ryan Fox just playing the last at the moment. Currently tied 22nd. Josh Geary in second. Nick Volk, Denzel, Yeremia in tied 12th. Uh, let's find out what's making news. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Controversy. Con- controversy? Mm. I actually don't like when people say controversy. Because um, that's quite controversial. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, Steph, controversy. 
I don't know if you've seen the photo that's been circulating around the Twitter sphere um, of one of the Japanese goals today. In fact, the go-ahead goal for Japan. No, I haven't. Where the ball was crossed in from what looked like, and I can tell you right now, was a very out-of-bounds position. The photo coming through of the ball fully over the end goal line as the player cuts it back. They score off it. Guess which fans are particularly annoyed about this? I don't know who had ramifications. The Germans. Oh. The Germans who have been knocked out of the round of 16, <laughs> out of the group stages because of the, the allowed goals that was, should have been disallowed. So, uh, yeah, look, they're, they're fuming, Steph. And understandably, it's a terrible call. And apparently, I don't see the game, but apparently they went to VAR for a good two or three minutes before giving the goal. Mm-hmm. But, man, you go find that photo, Steph, and it's pretty clear-cut in my eyes. That thing is well over the line. As really? The, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm with the Germans on this one. Oh, this one. Um, this one, yes. Unlucky. Unlucky. Unlucky Zeus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unlucky Zeus. Um, now, to, uh, to other more important sports stories around the world, Steph, or sure. just stories in general. Sure. Um, I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago um, a man by the name of, oh, what's his first name? McFarland. What's his first name? The guy who started Fire Festival. And remember I told you uh, that he was teasing yeah. Billy, uh, Billy McFarland. Yeah. Yeah. And he was teasing basically Fire 2.0. We didn't have any details, but we do now, oh, Steph. brilliant. For the meagre sum of $250 USD, that's uh, around about 380 400 bucks in New Zealand, punters can enjoy, it's called P-R-Y-T, pronounced pirate. If that doesn't give you red flags, pirate. It's a fully <laughs> digital music festival. Oh, no. I mean, a lot of red flags in here, Steph, not to mention the fact that he has also said that about uh, $70 of ticket sales are going towards repaying his debts. Okay. So you're basically paying all the people who went to the fire festival. You're helping to pay them off. Um, He posted a short clip. It's been watched hundreds of thousands of times uh, where he said they'll join forces with a small remote destination, once again, red flag, to host a handful of artists, content creators, entrepreneurs, and any of you guys who end up joining the PRYT crew. But this so you're is basically like paying a, to have fun with paying to watch him have fun with a whole bunch of artists in a remote location. Is this going to be like a metaverse, wear a VR oh, mask type thing? I don't know, but Steph, who's going to be stupid enough to buy tickets? To they that? will Seriously. be stupid. Oh enough. well, I can't wait for the next Netflix doco if that's the case. Mm. Bring it on, mm. um, Jonah Hill. Yep. Do you like him as an actor? Yeah. He's a bit of a laugh. He's all right. Um, what if I told you that he's changing his name legally? Legally. Yep. Legally changing his name. To Grassy. To Jonah Hill. Oh, that wasn't his name. Correct. And now he wants Real name, to be- Jonah Hill Fieldstein. Dropping the Fieldstein. So he's just going to be Jonah Hill now. Um, just if anyone was interested, I thought you might like to know. <laughs> and uh, I'll finish with um, McDonald's, who have announced, and this is probably US only, so that's unfortunate for us, but they've announced that uh, they're going to give away 12 McGold cards what is a McGold card, you ask? McDonald's for life, Steph. McDonald's for life. If you buy, if you spend at least $1 using the McDonald's app between now and I think it's the end of December, you go into the draw, they'll pick out uh, three winners that will get three extra cards to give away as well. So three winners, four cards per per winner that they can give away to so friends and 12 family. Cards. 12 cards all up. Um, and they reckon that it's valued at around about $60,000 because it is two meals per week for 50 years. Wow. Two meals per week. Straight off the top of the head, you get awarded one. Who do you you extras go to? Oh, 
Nah, I couldn't tell you that off the top of my head. Couldn't you? No. I mean, I'd say I'd give one to mum and dad. They don't really eat McDonald's. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just find mates who really, really enjoyed it and give it to them. I don't really know yeah, too many, but I would give it to them. Um, and I'll finish with a fact for you, Steph, if Thank I can. You. I Thank did you. have a story about a golfer who bit someone's nose off in the parking <laughs> lot after losing a game, but we'll leave that for another day. In 2014, did you know, in 2014, there was a Tinder match in Antarctica? Oh, in Antarctica. So you thought, hey, you thought it was tough going, you know, matching with someone, you know, when you're t- traveling around the East Coast and you're Tolaga Bay or something, you mm. find it hard to find a Tinder match there. These people found a match in Antarctica. Two research scientists, okay, one was working at the US Antarctic McMurdo station. The other was a woman camping 45 minutes helicopter right away. <laughs> They're both on the app and they matched up, Steph. How good is that? That's romantic. <laughs> who even, like, who even opens it down there? Like, you just think there's no one down, I'm not going to open it. But they gave it a go. I don't actually know the ending of that story. I wonder if they actually met up and had a little let's, Arctic let's barbecue or let's something. Let's do that next year. Um, next year, next week. Okay, yeah, I'll do we'll some. Find, I'll see if I can find next it. Week. All right, um, I'd give one of my McDonald's gold cards to Jeremy Paul, and he's going to join the Jeremy Paul Show after the break. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts, Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul. Jeremy Paul Show. Yes, our favourite time of the week. It's nearly every week this week. It's our second to last chat with Jeremy Paul. We're saving up a ripper for next uh, next week, next Friday. But JP and from Australia. How you going, champion? Oh, mate. I'm, I don't know what to do with myself, bro. There's no, there's no footy on. <laughs> the socceroos nah, are on. The socceroos. Oh, I know. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Mate, I got up actually the other morning and I, I watched it because I'm, I'm obviously I love the socceroos. Um, and when they, uh, mate, they just, and this is, I've got to say this, look, and, and this is absolutely no offence to this side, right? Like, because this is just incredible. We only won two out of 17 games, man, before, you know, this World Cup. And for them to have won two games in a row, they've doubled the amount of games won in pre- all previous World Cups of Venus. Like, but when you look at the teams, like the, the previous teams, like the Timmy Kales, the Harry Kuhls, like this side is just, on paper, not a side that you would think would get so much success. So, um, and I'm again, look, you, you've got to take your hat off to this side and Graham Arnold, the coach. But you know, when you when we were thinking about how this team was going to go, I, no one predicted this, man. So mm. good on them. Oh, just uh, well done. I love well I loved Graham Arnold. I saw him after that. Say, oh, you'll be celebrating this tonight. And he goes, no, we won't. No, job hasn't finished. No, it's early to bed and recovery the next day. <laughs> I loved it. Man. Bro, bring out the pina coladas, man. You, 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 mate, you have gone way further than anyone predicted. But to be honest, bro, like, and I've, I've said this many times about uh, any sort of code, right? Um, I think I've said this about the Rugby League World Cup final is, you know, attack is, is wins your games, but defence wins your championships. And um, the Socceroos' defence, mm. two clean sheets 
Mm. Two clean sheets, man. Like, it is just, that is extraordinary defence. Um, I just, it would be interesting to see what type of gas they've got left in their, in their legs, actually, coming up to this quarterfinal and against Argentina and the great man, Lionel Messi. So, um, oh, but look, couldn't be prouder of, of the Socceroos. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Is this like, Aussie's a massive sporting nation. Do you, do you think in, like, I remember when New Zealand both times have been to the Football World Cup. It's a massive moment in sporting history is when your nation makes the FIFA World Cup. Now, we never progressed from group stage. Aussies progressed through group stage. Do you think in the fullness of time people will look back at this FIFA World Cup that's on right now and say, that was an amazing time to be an Australian sports fan? Uh, mate, hundred this, this will go down as arguably, because it, like I was trying to, to get alluded to a little bit earlier without being offensive here, is that this side, like, mate, take take um, Lionel Messi or Ronaldo or Neymar. Those guys are worth more than our entire Socceroos. Yeah. Like, they're, they're worth more. Like, they're actually worth more than our entire A-League. Yeah. <laughs> like, that an entire league. Are you kidding me? Like this is just, mate. In sport, right? There's a there's a definite um, marker with respect to class and respect to like you know. Oh, and it's your worth, right? It's the it's the dollar. And yes, potentially soccer is a little bit more exploded than than other sports. Um, you know, particularly with transfer fees and stuff. But when you when you look at um, those names that I just said and how much they get paid, it's, it's a reflection on, on how really how good they are, right? Mm. So w- when we have players that are probably only on maybe a half a million dollars a year playing in the Socceroo side and get to a Soccer World Cup um, quarterfinal, that's extraordinary. So, and it's what it's also done too in Australia is it's just bumped Rugby Union down further because now... <laughs> now with the diversity of sports, right? Like now, soccer's like taken another climb up in the uh, in the popularity rank. So, oh, even though it's a shot in the arm for rugby, it's a wonderful shot in the arm for Australian sport. Mm. Mate, next Thursday, so it would have been announced by the time we talk next week, they've got the New Zealand Rugby Awards, which is a much looked forward to event. I'm gonna, I'm just going to anoint you the sole selector just for a couple of categories, if you don't mind, please. Uh, um, the New Zealand Super Rugby Player of the Year, and the nominees are Will Jordan, Stephen Perifeta, Adi Savia. You get sole choice. Who, who do you think would win that? Super, just Super Rugby, not All Blacks, not uh, NPC. Uh, uh, yeah, interesting. I, um, oh, look, I, I have to go Adi Savia. I think he had an absolute crack of Super Rugby season. Um, I think he won three games on his own. Yeah. Um, like, and, and like, he, he's, consi- like, the one thing about Artie Severe is he, he is consistent. And that's what, that's, that's the big measuring stick um, for any sports person is playing at that high, consistent level each week. Like, it's actually, it's a lot harder than what people think, right? Like, you, were, you think of the Richie McCalls, the George Smiths of the world, the Dan Carters. To play at that level each week, because when I look back at my own test career, I go, oh, I might, might have gone missing maybe one or two games here or stuff like that. Not because you weren't trying, but just because the game didn't go your way or you you just didn't do the things that you should have done. Um, and Artie Severe's consistency is just extraordinary.
So what, um, I'll go to the next one. All Black of the Year. The nominees are Ari Savia, Geordie Barrett, Samasoni Tokiaho, and Sam Whitelock. Well, look, you, you have to look at the changes you've made this year, right? Like Sam Whitelock and um, Artie Sevilla have been there all year. Mm. Um, also, Artie's also played some pretty... I actually, personally, I, I think Richard Mwanga has been the All Black of the Year for me, personally. Wow. Um, only, uh, well, because for him to get in front of Broden Barrett and then to keep it, mate, you, you're, you're asking one of the best players in the world. So... In, in relation just, just to that, I feel you should be the all-back of the year. Um, when when you're good enough to, to make another player change position. But I think Geordie Barris has probably a standout season this year. Um, I think he's been involved in everything. Um, but again, it wouldn't surprise me if Hardy wins, wins it all this year. He's been super consistent. Um, come up with the big plays when you really need them. Like you look at that last European tour like when he stole the ball in the last minute against Scott, like just the things he did this year, that dummy, God, he should win it just for that dummy, right? <laughs> like, what about that? <laughs> Who falls for that? But <laughs> it's, it's the magic. Um, and look, Sam Whitelock has been, look, he's just a trooper, isn't he? Wow, what a career. Him and Bodie Retallick playing 100 caps together. Extraordinary combination. Got to give that, they got a big, big cheer out to those two. Um, two favourite players of mine, but I think I think Geordie Barrett's played a had an extraordinary season, particularly when you when you got to change positionally as well. Um, it's being able to adapt um, and not just fill the role, but excel in the role. And I think um, I think he's excelled. So yeah, I, I think I think Geordie might just do party for this. Um, it's not on the awards list next Thursday, but Wallaby of the Year. Who would be your top three? Who would be your three nominees for Wallaby of the Year? Ugh, next question. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, well, this is the other thing too, right? With the, I actually just wrote an article um, coming out of the New Zealand Rugby News. Oh. It's told page thirty-six to thirty-eight. Get a good read into you. Um, <laughs> But I, I did my review of the year getting ready for the Rugby World Cup next year and the players that um, – and, and going over the year and looking over all the games again and putting this together, um, we actually – we, we had the same side once. Wow. Um, and we saw uh, so much rotation of players, whether it was, it was primarily forced, right? It was it was forced due to injuries. Mm. Um, the injury count was the magnitude of it was extraordinary. Um, so in terms of like consistency of players actually sort of being there, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a tough one. But I, th- I thought, look, Rob Rob Alatini, I thought had a another fantastic year this year. But you've got to. Um, you look at Nick White. I thought he was exceptionally well. Tom Tom Wright, um, Nick White was was good. Tom Wright was like he was very good this year, scoring tries. But I just don't think you can go past Marika Korobiti. I think Marika Korobiti. I think he'll win his his second John Eels medal. I think um, like the games he played and the, and the impact and like he first chose like a, a, a true a true measuring stick of someone being, um, you know, the best player within the side is when you go to select a team, who's the first player you put in? Like, normally it's the captain, right? 
Like that, that's your normal choice. And obviously with Michael Hooper being out this year, um, he would normally be up there in your top three. But Marika Kairidi, some of the things he did this year, but his work rate, mate, his work rate is just extraordinary. And I, I, like I, I've said this previously, man, if, if I had, um, there were players I wanted to play with in, in this current Wallaby side, um, yeah, Marika would, be, would probably be the only one, to be honest. And last thing, we're at the end of the rugby season. It might seem a little bit of a simple answer, but who's finished the year better than they started and who's finished the year worse than they started? We have to say the Wallabies finished the best than they started, right? Mm. Like losing the three test series, like uh, going like going over that year in review, it was win, loss, loss, win, loss, win, loss, 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 <laughs> win, loss lost win like against Wales and I think to show come back from 34-13 down um, yeah extraordinary effort but Naga Wazati is it? Marky Mark they call him yeah <laughs> Marky Mark let's just go with the funky bunch right? um, he, mate again what forces change is is you get to unearth players that you probably didn't get to see so I would have to say the Wallabies actually finished off better than what they started. Um, England has definitely finished off the worst. Like, there's a lot of pressure on Eddie Jones, but you also have to look at the English Premier League with Wasp folding and, like, there's teams going bankrupt. Um, England rugby is in a bit of trouble. Like, they really are. And um, But, I mean, the thing with Eddie Jones is he thrives in these sort of positions. But, um, yeah, it's... It's going to make for an awesome Rugby World Cup next year, bro. Like, I think with the uh, the changes to the IRB as well, Ireland winning their first test series in New Zealand, which the English did back in 2002. Mm. There's a bit of trivia for you. When England won the World Cup in 03, they came down to Australia, beat us in um, 2002 and beat New Zealand in 2003. So then won the World, World Cup. Like, they won their first test series. So... But then you look at the French, man. I think the, I think it's the French has cut to lose. So, yeah, I think um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of test form they take into this Rugby World Cup next year. But um, I still think Australia is a chance, though. Mm. Yeah, I do too. A lot of those losses, when you look back, at they had so many one and two point losses. It was it was unbelievable. And with a full complement, I would I would strongly suggest they would have been wins, but. Decimated by injury, decimated. Um, uh, for- yeah, yeah, you can say that. Yeah, I, mate, I'm with you, but you still got to win those games, yeah, right? Yeah, you do. Like, yeah, you do. Yeah, still got to win those games. Yeah. All right. So next week we're going to do a, a year in review. Uh, we won't touch on rugby too much. We'll, we'll do the whole shebang. We'll do cricket. We'll do whatever we like, and we'll take lots of calls and we'll take lots of messages to round out a wonderful year talking to you every Friday afternoon, JP. So the Jeremy Paul Show extended version, remix version next week. Oh, let's take it to the remix. Yeah, awesome. Love it. Love it, staff and uh, heart. Yeah, look, amazing Kiwi legend passing. Um, yeah, bro, like thinking about the wonderful things that he did for this uh, for New Zealand and, and for people in sport, particularly with disability. So, um, yeah, heart goes out to the family. Thanks very much. East uh, Samari will be uh, greatly missed. JP, thanks for your time as always, buddy. We'll catch up next week. Cheers, bro.
TAB time, and we talk to Brendan Popper. I'm going to talk to him about the Sevens because the World Rugby Sevens is commencing again, and I think the women kick it off uh, at about six o'clock. But both men and women playing in Dubai. Brendan Popper, well, hello, my friend. Hello, Mark Stafford. We all good? Yes, very well, thank you. Gosh, football World Cup just keeps throwing them up, doesn't it? Oh, wow, doesn't it? Every day, there's just something there for everybody. And, um, yeah, that, that Germany result was, was massive, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, look, uh, punters are getting involved, though. As, as I keep saying, they keep climbing into Brazil. Um, and Argentina and France, those have been the three better back teams over the last couple of days. Mm. I just mentioned the Sevens in Dubai. They're back in earnest. Um I, I always look forward to watching the Blackfern Sevens, actually. Um, they're, they're very, very good. But the New Zealand men's team, they've struggled of late. Uh, Fiji just look a class above everyone else. Yeah, and, and punters can't get enough of Fiji, to be honest. Here, Staff, that's where all the money is in our, in our outright book uh, for the, the Dubai Sevens. They're $3 and very strong $3 favourites. Uh, there, there's a chance here, if you do want to get involved, uh, on the New Zealand Sevens, the, there's a boosted price available at five dollars and fifty cents from what is uh, the stock standard four fifty. If you want to play that, but if you want to play it, you'd be silly not to take an extra dollar. So uh, the five dollars and fifty cents. So if you want to find that option, you go to the rugby part of it. You go to outright winner rugby world rugby sevens, and it's just below the outright market there uh, for five dollars and fifty cents. But yeah, Fiji so far uh, is where the liability is in that marketplace. Uh, for the sevens. Now, me and Sam, we love our NFL and they love to pass. Uh, the Pats, his team, are playing the Bills, my team today. It is live. So, Phil and Hastings, turn your radio down. It is live. And I just said, there's no way your Pats can beat the Bills. And the Bills were warm favourites at the start. They were. They were. And I'll, and I'll tell you what, this is a match that I just have a feeling it's going to be a lot closer than what the the markets were telling us. Now, it, as we speak right now, live betting, Bills are 160, Patriots are 220. Patriots uh, have uh, scored a touchdown, haven't they? So it's 7-3 currently as we talk uh, in the first quarter. What I will say, though, is all the money was towards the Buffalo Bills, but the point start spread was around uh, the Patriots. So it was, it was an interesting spread of money leading into this one. I don't think there's too many points separating them. So if you chance to look at some winning team in margin markets, the one to thirteen each side, Bills two thirty three or one to thirteen New England at two eighty eight. I was actually just looking at that market, and on the TRB website, the game underneath it is an NCAAF uh, college game, and the Buffalo Bulls are playing Akron, which is as I know nothing about them, but they might quickly become my college team. <laughs> the Buffalo Bulls, the feeder system to the Bills. Yeah. yeah. What's the what's what's the, what's the big cojones going around uh, in racing tomorrow, pops? Look, we've got the Captain Cook Stakes to look forward to, which is out of Trentham, uh, and that's a Group 1 race, and we have a very short price favourite in there too. Might be nice to run through your multis, a horse by the name of Aegon, out of the top stable of Andrew Forsman. He's a horse that has performed on both sides of the Tasman. And Michael D, Mick D, uh, a jockey from Australia, he's an expat. He's had an outstanding spring carnival out of Melbourne. Of course, he did win the Victorian Derby aboard Manzois. He rides Aegon tomorrow. It's 190, race eight, number one. Uh, he is a horse that really, if he brings his elite uh, Group 1 form from Australia, uh, that should be his race. There will be some chances maybe to shop around 
some top four markets. If you are looking that way and you're trying to find a roughie, I thought Tiptronic, it's $14 to win the race. He's now 12s and 2 Dropped off. Just dropped off. Gone. Okay. Um, what I will say is Predefer is at 3.30. Tiptronic at 12. So we'll probably try and lead the whole way. 270 place. Good shopping around that gold coin each way. $250 TAB bonus bet for the vault. I sprung that on you, didn't I? Get ringing. 0800 150 if you want to play the vault, we've had 12, 15 questions, yes, no's. You'll have access to four of them if you need them. Then you get to ask three and pick what this iconic sporting moment. Might be tremendous, might be an awful moment, but it is a sporting moment that once you find out what it is, Sammy tells me, you'll go, oh, I didn't know it would be that. 250 is up for grabs. Sam doesn't think it'll go. Prove him wrong. 0800 150 811. Come and play the vault. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Three questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Thanks for the text, uh, Brad, girlfriend at the time. <laughs> I see you, Brad. Mm. Uh, we're going to play. It's a text from Brad. Yeah, it's a great text from Brad, <laughs> telling me to go to Antarctica and find a new girlfriend at the time. Um, I'm just hurriedly going through my book to try and find the. Here they are. Right. What's the wheel landed on, Sammy? All the way out of. I want to say Matoda. Is that it? Matoda. Matoda, uh, affectionately known to the locals as Mataura. Matara, there you go. Justin uh, Marshall country. Uh, Hamish, down south. Hi there. How you going, Hamish? Yeah, pretty good. That's the spirit, Stuff, mate. mate. You might have your ra- Do you have your radio on in the background? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Turn, turn that off. Turn, turn that off, Turn mate. that off. Turn that off. Let's get him on. Right, are you all set? Yep. Right, now, for the last three days we've been trying to solve this. I can give you two questions from day one, one question from day two, one question from day three, then you get three questions, yes, no questions, and then you have a guess at what Sammy's locked away in the vault. Can we get one from day one, please? Get one from... Day one. Day one. Yeah, one from day one? I'll give you two from day one. So let's say, yep. uh, is it a New Zealand team sport? Yes. Is it in the Northern Hemisphere? No. Uh, then, then the next one I'll give you is... From day two. From day two. Yep. Um, is it a once-in-four-year event? No. And the other one from day three I'll give you, is there a round ball involved? Yes. So now you get three yes-no questions. Is it cricket? Is it soccer? No, nah, did you say soccer? Cricket. Oh, cricket. cricket. Is it cricket? Is it cricket? Sorry. Hamish from Matoda. It is cricket. <gasps> oh, there's a huge insight there. We've got cricket. It's taken us four days to get to the, to the sports staff, but we got there. Is it against Australia? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it Hamish. against Australia? 
It is against Australia. Oh, here we go. One more question. And then a guess. <laughs> His brain's working overtime. <laughs> is that before 2000? Ooh, before 2000. Mm, I think I know the moment you might be thinking of. No, it is not before 2000. Hmm. Before 2010, because I heard you say those questions, it wasn't, it was, it was before 2010, because one of the guys said yesterday, is it after 2010? That's right. Good man. You're a smart man. Hey, mate. So it's between 2000 and 2010. And now you've got to have a guess. Is it... New Zealand last time they were out, well, 2015. No. Um, is it? I'm just having a random guess. Is it? New Zealand beating Australia uh, um, in Test cricket uh, in 2006. New Zealand beating Australia in a test in 2006. Hamish. Put that in the vault, sir. Punch that into the, into the vault combination. I'm excited. Has he got it? Oh, we're going to three handy, folks. Oh. We're going to three handy. Oh. Hamish. Oh. I'll tell you what, mate. Some phenomenal, yep. phenomenal detective work from you there to dig deep into the bones of this vault. And, uh, well, and I heard from, uh, from, from the last couple of days it wasn't netball, it was a round ball sport, it was a, a field. Um, I knew it wasn't soccer because I heard yesterday's question. Um, and I knew it wasn't rugby because I heard the day before that one that was netball. I knew it wasn't that. The only I can think of was cricket or hockey. They were the only two things I could think of. I mean, so if it wasn't hockey, I had to go cricket. If it was cricket, okay, that was hockey was gone. I mean, so I had to thought. What year? I heard yesterday's year. And I thought well, it had to be before 2010. I thought if I put 2000 in, it might just roughly give me a guess. Yeah, I means at least I tried. At least, hey, you, at least someone can have a chance. Mate, I think I feel like yeah. you've thought about this more than any of us. I feel like this has been almost too. Are you? I can, I'm just imagining you've actually got one of those um those pin, those pin boards at home <laughs> with a with a with a tax and a string going from the tax down to bits of paper, mate. That's what I I'm wish envisioning. I did, but I didn't. Yeah. I wish, but I don't. Yeah. No. I knew it wasn't rugby. I knew it wasn't netball. I knew it wasn't soccer. It was either cricket or hockey. It was a field. I knew because when you said it was a, 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 a on a field, it was only two sports I was thinking of. It was, it was a hockey or cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Nice work, Hamish. So if I tried cricket. It gives someone else a chance for tomorrow, and and it's in Australia. I mean, someone's got a chance to now win three hundred. They yeah. definitely yeah. have a good chance. Gracious Thanks, man, thanks for calling up, buddy. There he is. He's done the hard yards there. Um, I feel like I want to give out a clue, and I don't know what it is. But Sammy said, to, I'm going to give you a clue. No, nah, don't give him a clue. No, it's not nah, much of a clue. Three hundred, mate. Three hundred. It's not much of a clue. Because you'd be annoyed if you went for it at two hundred and didn't get a clue. But you know what I mean? It's it's open slather now. Yeah. It's all open. No, but now that they've got the sport, they've got a they've got a time frame. I think we're edging ever closer, Steph. I think we're edging ever closer. Look at you predicting it like a little sick. Kitten. I just want someone to win that three hundred, like genuinely. Okay. No yeah. handouts around here, Mark Stafford. No clues ever. Not in this instance. I just I it's just too- want to, I want someone to go. I want someone to win the three hundred. I wanted to, I wanted Hamish to win the two fifty. To be honest. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I, and, and to me, I didn't actually think it was going to be as hard as it, as it is. I thought it would be tough, but I didn't think it was going to – like I said, it took us four days to find the sport out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah but we've got the sport. We've got an era. We've got the sport. We've got a decade. We go from there. We've got a sport. We've got a decade. We've got the teams. Correct. Mm-hmm. We go from there. We go from there on Monday, $300 in the vault. Oh, we've had a few, few guesses on the text too. I don't know whether you're right or wrong. I don't know whether you're right or wrong, text people, but you're all thinking, and this is great, $300 TRB bonus bet all Monday. You will want to tune in for that. We'll have our last break before the news. We'll come back. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, welcome back. And still to come on the show, we've still got an hour to go before we hand over to the run home, which I think today is Mitch McLennigan and Kim. Kimberly Downs and Mitch McLennigan. That'll be fun. Uh, in the next hour, we are going to play you the winning call of the month after the news at three. We're going to catch up with Mitch Graham, former Taranaki and Chiefs prop as part of our Rugby Network series, catching up with former players, seeing what they're doing now. We'll have a look back in the day as well. We were... Good old hour, good old hour, Mitch Graham, great man. Um, lads, oh, some more support for Taitu of us. Taitu of us, I'm going to give you a quick uh, golf update. Thank you to Spark Sport. It is live all weekend, and I've lost the leaderboard. So I'll do that after the hour as well. <laughs> I have lost the leaderboard. That's poor of me, poor form. Must have uh, been looking for inter- 700 bucks return on the Inter Islander with a car. 700. 450 return flights on New Zealand. Wellington Nelson, that is. Wellington Nelson. Jeez, expensive to get around our own country, isn't it? And you can't hitchhike across the Cook Strait either. Get a bit wet. I could do a Meter McKenzie or a Phil. Phil. Oh, name escapes me that swum Cook Strait. Phil. No, can't remember. Covering myself in diesel oil and swim to Nelson. Hell no. News time, 3 o'clock. Core of the month after this. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick me up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Can't you see? Yes, one of my girlfriends at the time, Britney Spears. Um, is it concerning people that um, Staff was singing along to that new every word? I don't know. Is What's that... wrong with that? No, no, I'm just asking. I've just put the question out there. Mega memory. Of, ly- of song lyrics, yeah. Britney's yeah. lyrics. Mm. Free Britney. Oh, free Hashtag Britney, man. She went, free Britney. She went off the rails, didn't she? No, she went Shaved through her hell yeah. with, her parent, with her father. Has there been a documentary about that? Yeah. Yeah, I need to watch that. Yeah, I watched it. Good chance. Uh, Britney Spears' birthday. Happy birthday, Brit. Um, hopefully my presents arrived in time. You never know with the postal services these days. Really? I should I have FedExed it. Did she give you one for your birthday? Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Australian Open update. <laughs> Australian Open golf. It is on Spark Sport right now. And leading, still hasn't teed off the overnight leader, but he's still leading. Just stay in the clubhouse, David. Michaluzzi, stay in the clubhouse. You've got a two-shot lead over Kiwi Josh Geary. Bit of a journeyman, Josh, but when he is on, he is brilliant. And he has finished his round for the day. He sits in the clubhouse at five under. Alongside Hayden Barron, probably having a ham and egg sandwich and a cup of tea, which is what you do. Um, Pierre Pinau and Nikolai Horgard are both four under. Of the Kiwis, Ryan Fox parred the last. He shot four under today. Uh, He needed to do some repair work, and he did. He's now sitting 23rd but he's only three off the lead as it stands at the moment. Alongside Nick Folk, also tied 23rd. Luke Toomey is tied 59th. Harry Bateman, Moving Michael up. Hendry. Moving up, Luke. Yes, he's gone up three spots. Come on, James. It's gone up three spots. Ryan Fox went up 80 spots. 80 spots on today's round. Uh, the two Kiwi girls who are atop the leaderboard were 9th and 12th. Yet to tee off. They go at about 3.30 and 3.10. Momoka Kabori, the first to tee off, sitting in 12th. So the women doing pretty well as well. So Kiwi sitting pretty, and if you want to catch up with the ISPS Honda Australian Open Live, it is on Spark Sport today, tomorrow, and the next. And also, after the golf, you can tune in and watch the White Ferns take on Bangladesh, which will be fantastic down there at Hagley. There you go. There you go. Soon we're going to catch up with Mitch Graham, former chief, former Taranaki man. I was looking at a leaderboard before, uh, not a leaderboard, a scoreboard before, and it came upon me that uh, the IPL auction isn't far away, and there's a few cricketers in the two crore band. Now, what that means, Sam, is two crore is about 200, my math says it's about 240,000 US, so that's the reserve price, and if they don't hit that, they don't play. But they can go over that. And I would suggest some of the names in this two crore band. So they're not associated with the team yet. Um, Nathan Coulton-Nile, Travis Head, Chris Lynn, Sam Curran, who was player of the T20 World Cup. Here we go. Um, But there's some Kiwis in there. Ben Stokes is in there. He's not been signed to anyone. He's just going free market me. He's going to go a mil plus. Adam Milne is in that group. Jimmy Neesham, Kane Williamson. Um, and then the one and a half crore band, which is about 190 grand. Any Kiwis in there? No. And the one crore band, so that's half, that's about 140,000. Uh, reserve. Moses Henriques, on, on Andrew Ty, Joe Root is in there. Joe Root, Michael Bracewell, Mark Chapman, Martin Guptill, Kyle Jamison, Matt Henry, Tom Latham, Daryl Mitchell. Gosh, it's nearly all Kiwis. Um, so that auction takes place, I feel like it's soon. Uh, I'm just scrolling up to find out the date. Um, we have to scoot, do we, Sam? We have to scoot. All right, we're scooting. After the break, we're going to catch up with a call. Oh, the caller of the month. That's right. I'm wondering why you send me away. Here's the caller of the month. And remember, Ava Living, they are a great crew and they say, Call SCNZ and we'll chuck up a prize. They have chucked up Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Let's reminisce and have a listen. I'll just say, Steph, very hard to pick a winner this month because we had some great calls here on afternoons. And in fact, the shortlist were all calls from afternoons. So big pat on the back. Big pat on on the back for the afternoons crew. Um, But taking out the chocolates this time, a great call last month by Ryan in Hamilton. 
just don't want this to be the area that we look back and say this is the era it all started going wrong because we can fix it we have got the depth we have got the coaches but we're at a is it too strong to say we're at a crisis point at the moment no absolutely not you said that you said before mate um this is a slow moving uh, train wreck it absolutely is mm. what what signs do you see that gives you any hope that we are actually going to win this world cup we're not. And, I, and I, last a few weeks ago when I called him out, I said, we'll never win a World Cup again. We won't because we're sending all of our top IP out of the country. I know it's hard to keep a hold of it. We don't have the money. But we can't continually keep the same older, sort of stale people involved in the coaching setup. And I put Steve Hansen in that as well, mate, because it started happening under his watch and then he advocated for Foster. And we have to remember that he was the one that pushed Fozzie in. And you look at that coaching box on the weekend, you look at the ones that are going to be facing us, they're all, we've used the word innovation. There's none in the All, Black, all, all Blacks teammate. That Japan 
shut us down and knew exactly what we were going to do. Yeah. We didn't know what we were going to do, but they did. They had our game, mate. They knew exactly what we were going to do, and we had no answer. And my father-in-law said to me, oh, yeah, but it was a second-string all-black side. Bullshit. No, sorry about language, no all-black side should ever be deemed second-string. That's what our all-black juniors or New Zealand 15 or all-blacks 15 or whatever they want to call them, depending on the day of the week, that's what that team is. No all-black team should ever be a B-side. Yes, yes, we're bringing in players and we're helping guys like Tuivasa Shek and that explore and, and understand what it is to be an all-black and, and in the environment and test them. But, mate, anyone pulling on that jersey should any day be good enough to beat Japan, and we were lucky to do it. And that's what really scares me. And I'm really concerned for the future of New Zealand. There it was. Um... Ryan, great call. And uh, the folk at Aber Living, uh, we will get in touch with you and get you the Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thank you heaps to Aber for recognising our wonderful callers and all the callers. And as we say, the, the shortlist, and I think there was about eight calls out of the month, all from Afternoons with Staffy. Thank you very much for all calling. Keep going. It's uh, fantastic news. Uh, Mitch Graham, former chief, former Taranaki player, prop, of some skill and ability. He's hit the workforce. We'll catch up with him in association with the Rugby Network. Mitch Graham after the break. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We have another catch-up with a former player who's not playing footy anymore, but he's playing out in the big wide world, which is really cool. We've already caught up with Mark Ramby and Casey Lalala. Today we're catching up with Fora Taranaki Bull and former chief Mitch Graham from front row to goodness me. What a business change you've had, Mitch. Welcome in. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a change for the world, isn't it? It sure is, mate. It sure is. I, I do want to touch on your playing days first of all, though. Um, I think you had a game for Canterbury the year they won the premiership, and then you transferred to Taranaki and you won that premiership. So you're the golden goose? Oh, I don't know about that. I um, was lucky to get onto the field, I think. I got a yellow card and with 10 minutes to go, and that forced their hand forced their hand and put me on the field to catch a Canterbury, but, so I don't really claim that one. Um, but there was a lot of change in there when I arrived there, and it was a pretty awesome year and a pretty awesome group of, group of men, so what, were pretty pretty awesome. What took you to Taranaki? Because you were, I, I'm pretty sure you were born and raised in um, Waikato and Maramara, but you went to university in Canterbury and then you ended up in Taranaki. Yeah, um, Canterbury wasn't really, rugby-wise, wasn't really doing it for me. I wasn't tracking through the, the thick stocks of Canterbury rugby as much as I wanted to be. So having just finished my degree, um, I decided to a little bit give up the ghost, but I knew there was opportunity in Taranaki. So I went and got a job in the NACI, um in the oil and gas industry. And it's pretty good industry for a chemical engineer. So that's what took me there, and then rugby took off from there. Yeah, it did. You had a, you had a lot of games for Taranaki, and as I say, your first season there, you won the premiership. You beat Tasman in the final, uh, which mm-hmm. James Marshall always reminds me of. Um, <laughs> and then, I bet he does. Yeah, and then you went off to the Chiefs and um, enjoyed some time there, but 
2017, um, I, I don't like to bring it up, but you had a horrific leg break at the Brisbane 10s. And also I understand at about the same time, Sione Loaki, one of the great chiefs, he passed away as well. That's um, that's a lot to take on, Mitch. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, Sione, I didn't know the man, but from the boys that we played us at the 10s, we were kind of playing in memory of him. Um it was an absolute legend of the Chiefs region, but unfortunately I didn't get to meet the guy. Um, but yeah, I was in the nick of my life and pretty ready for an awesome season and things, well, my leg fell a bit in that 10s tournament and nothing nothing really came right, unfortunately. Mm. Um, it, we've had five operations and no one knows what's wrong, but i got a dicky leg and it is what it is. So it's still a dicky leg now. Yeah, it is. It is. I I can do everything I want to do, but um, I mean, it hurts to run um, if I go on big hikes. It starts getting a bit sore, and I limp a bit. And as my wife says, I turn white and look like I'm a I'm about to fall over and faint. So um, it's not a great thing to have, but um, I can do everything I want to do. I can I coach a local team, uh, the Alpha Rugby Club, and. Um, run around with them and bully them a little bit and because of my size, which is nice. But, um, yeah, I, I can do it to a point, but I'll pay for it the next day. Mm. You, you had, I think, after that leg break, you just mentioned you had five ops. So I think you had four in three years. Looking back at that period in your life now, what did that what did that teach you? What did that enhance in your life? I could imagine resilience, I guess, patience. What... What emotions and challenges did you go through? Um, shit. Uh, still, it's still pretty challenging. Mm. Um, thinking back, it still probably hurts a bit. It was probably one of the toughest times of my life would be the simplest way of putting in it. It, um, it was pretty much every eight weeks. I had, a, oh, sorry, I had an operation and then I had a six to eight week period of return to rugby but about at that four to six week mark when I started running at 50% weight and those fancy machines that lift you up um, the pain was still there so it was this isn't working but I've still got another four weeks of trying to make it work and then um, yeah it was just getting pretty much smashed back every two to three months which isn't easy um, I, yeah, as you can probably hear I've, it's still it's still pretty challenging, but it, it taught me a lot. It taught me to how to process things, I suppose, would be the biggest one. I was in the worst nick mentally in my life over those two years as well. Yeah. Um, and But I met my wife because of it, so you can't feel too bad about that. Um, and uh, as much as I would have loved to play rugby for another 10, 20 years, who knows, Um I'm probably going to thank someone for that um, with my back and knees and hips and everything else in 30 years' time when I'm 50 and still hopefully able to do something. <laughs> <laughs> did, it, did it make you look back once you realised that the rugby, the rugby career was over? I mean, you were, you were lucky in a respect that you, it looks like you took your study seriously, as you mentioned, chemical engineering, and I straight away thought, is that breeding roosters with two heads or something like that? But <laughs> it's clearly not because you went oil and gas. But were you, were you dedicated to post-career, early career, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, I 
I I was probably lucky that school rugby didn't really crank up for me. I I played first fifteen and missed out on all the regional Waikato teams and stuff like that. So I was always going to go to uni. I always was going to study, well, do something for, to prepare for life after rugby. But it's probably that I didn't take my rugby career too seriously because I missed out on so many teams until about that 22, 23-year-old mark when I was in the Waikato Canterbury Academy and starting to progress pretty well then. Um, and by that stage, I was already 90% of the way in, so I kind of had to keep going. Um, it was when I probably when I made the 20s trials, I realised that maybe I could play footy at a level that could be worth something, I suppose. Might be a nice way of putting it. Yeah, I guess. Um, it... Before that, I probably didn't trust my skills or my speed because my speed was no, never there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you went to the Brisbane 10s. So I was like, what's a prop doing yeah. at the 10s? <laughs> <laughs> we played a very different type of rugby in that 10s. It was um, very forward dominated and we ran through those little backs that they tried to place against us. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what, like I've, I, back in the days, have a bit to do with the Hurricanes boys, and uh, and I know that they tried really hard through a guy called Steve Simons to um, work on their professional development. And some hungered for it, some thirsted for it. They were like sponges. They they wanted to cash in on the the opportunity, not cash in money wise, but the opportunities that are afforded them. Because these big corporates will sponsor rugby players and rugby teams, and there's a there's a handshaking opportunity and a conversation opportunity. Whereas some players were just, I'm a rugby player, full stop, and it was it was quite hard to get them enthused. What do you think is the importance for developing players to 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 have a plan B, a life B? Oh, um, in my time there, I, I think it's been a big problem for players, um, particularly the young guys that come straight from school. Mm. I think it's pretty scaring, scary watching, not some of them waste that time, but some of them probably not take it as serious as they could and really, really putting some effort into it because I mean, it's, it's not a lifetime rugby. Um, some of us, it's three years. Some of it, at, at the best, it's kind of 15 years. And if you're incredibly lucky, you're a um, Richie McCord, Dan Carter, that's probably set you up for life. But 90% of us, it sets us up till we're out of it, I suppose. And it gets us a massive foot up. So it's huge. Um, there's no doubt about it. I'm a big, big advocate for it. Mm. Um, and I, I tried to make the most of every moment we had in that area. I kept studying um, once I finished my degree, just, to get another feather to my cap, I suppose. I was trying to study economics, but um, once rugby finished up, I decided that working was probably more important than finishing off that degree. So I don't have that some five papers away, I think, which is a bit frustrating, but hmm. it is what it is. Um, and I can always go back there one day, but I don't think I will. Um, but it's, it's a huge and a massive opportunity. No, 90% of businesses probably don't pay you to prepare for your next career mm. um, or your next job. Um, no one prepares you for your next job. No one wants to lose you. So to have that and be paid to do that and probably have all the fees and stuff paid as well, you're mad to waste it, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but I'm in the lucky position that I was doing it and I was driven by my parents probably to have a plan B um, because um, they they were probably good grounders for me and set me up in that 
pathway a little bit, a fair bit, actually. That's awesome. And now, with all of that bad luck, I guess you would do some good luck. And a, a long story short, you set up a business called WorkM. They supply disinfectants and sanitizers. You you planned it. You scoped the market. You launched November 2019. <laughs> and then yep. four or five months later, we are in lockdown, queuing at the supermarket <laughs> to buy disinfectant and sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, lucky timing. Um, you got to have a little bit of luck in life. Um, I had made the decision to go down this pathway. It suited my chemical background pretty well. I'm learning, still learning sales. Sales is something that I'm figuring out and seeing which way suits me in that respect, but um, bloody lucky. And it set me up really well um, in terms of paying off a bit of business debt and getting me through that first can be really tough time. Mm. Um, but then things got tougher because all everyone got stopped up and everyone went back. Everyone long term got back, went back to their suppliers and locked their doors. Mm. In terms of my target market, aged care and hospitals and um, even vets and stuff like that. So they've kind of shut their doors for three years and not wanted to make a decision and change due to lack of staff, lack of time, lack of um, certainty, I suppose. So. It's been a grind since then, but we're starting to see some open doors now, which is really exciting. So we're talking to former Taranaki and Chiefs prop, uh, Mitch Graham. Finally, Mitch, um, bit of advice. Let, let's let's try a bit of advice. What's what's one of the business challenges? Like you can do all of the planning, all of the forecasting, all of that. But what's what what's the business challenge you weren't expecting? Oh, I think I'm probably too fresh to be giving advice to anyone in business. Um, but <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm only three years in. And <laughs> no, I'm sort of no, no, I see where you're coming. I have a bit of a think on that. Um, <laughs> like a rugby I player think... who's finishing and wants to go into business. What's the one thing you say, hey, mate, I didn't think this would happen, but it did? Um, I think roll with the punches because I've been knocked back, even with the real positive thing of, COVID, business is not a straight path and it. You have this big run that you think you're going awesome and then you'll have this blip that you disappear from the world for maybe two months and it's pretty challenging. Um, but in terms of a rugby player going into work, um, I think the big thing is structuring your life. Learning how to do that is probably the hardest thing. Um, in terms you, at work, at rugby, you're just giving your day on a platter. Yeah. And here you've got to self-motivate and self-plan and really figure out what needs to be done every day and being ahead of the game and ahead of everyone else every hour, let alone every day. So mm. that would be probably my biggest challenge when I first started. I'm starting to get, well, I'm not starting to, I'm, I'm in a bit of a groove now, which is nice after three years. I'm sure it happened a wee while ago, but for that first year, it was pretty challenging to really find how to run your own business, first of all, but especially with no structure involved around it. Um, really having to do both, learn how to run a business and learn how to structure your day. Mm, yeah. Um, I, re yeah. I repeatedly hear that structure your day thing is the biggest challenge. And for people that haven't been yeah. a professional athlete, they're going, what are you talking about? You get up, you have a shower, you go to work. But for a rugby player, it's you've got to be at the base at 8.30. We've got yoga till 10. Then we have our protein shake. Then we do weights. Then we've got to this session then we do that and then you do that and then you go home and it's all structured yeah. for you but you're right uh, pretty you... much on a platter and you can't if you're late you get in trouble so you know how to follow a schedule <laughs> but 
Yeah, it's, it's almost like you're a school kid. Mm. Um, you go back to being a school kid as an adult, and then you become suddenly an adult with all responsibility, but you, or you've only known the other way. Mm. Luckily, I worked beforehand, so it probably took me not less time, but I understood a little bit how to find that structure a bit easier. Mm. Brilliant. Mitch, really yeah. enjoyed chatting to you today, mate, and I'm pleased things are going well and you've you've had some valleys and you've had some highs and uh, you, you're still learning along the way. I think it's just a, a brilliant message and uh, I really appreciate your time today, Mitch. Thanks heaps. Thank you very much for the chat. Eh? It's good catching up. Maybe I should have noticed You were just half in love Maybe I should have noticed That I'm not the only one Charlie Puth, birthday Charlie Puth. Who drags the bigger headline big names to their birthday today? Is it Britney Spears or Charlie Puth? Which birthday would you want to go to? I tell you what, Charlie Puth is well-loved in the music industry and does samples and tracks for a lot of big artists. He's like, I've watched a um, like a YouTube thing on him. He's a freak, mm. like musically a freak. He's and like people, Prince. Correct. And like all, I think it was like Jamie Foxx, um, Maybe it was Taylor Swift. There was a bunch of people that just said Charlie Puth, just an absolute musical prodigy, and Jeez. they all they all like rely, they all ask him for like tips and tracks and everything. So, I think to your question, Steph, I reckon he'd have a more interesting birthday party at the moment. Although it, Britney's probably more edgy, famous almost. Yeah. Oh, she would be. Yeah, Britney Spears would be more yeah. famous. Yeah, Charlie's probably more got more music cred. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's more of a musician as opposed to just a. You know, mm. a symbol. Um, cricket yesterday. Can I just mention the cricket? Oh, we must. Yeah, we must. Baseball is yeah. working. <laughs> is it what? Highest ever total for day one of a test match. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. It was only 75 overs. You're supposed to bowl 90. Oh, In 75 overs, England got 506 for four. Zach Crawley, 122 off 111. Ben Duckett, 107 off 110. Ollie Pope, 108 off 104. Harry Brook, 101 off 81. Ben Stokes not out, 34 off 15. Everyone's a run a ball or better. They were, it's, I think at 20 overs they're 150 or something. It's like, that's literally a T20 innings. Yeah, when I turned it on, I saw 174 without loss, and I went, oh, it's a bit slow. Two, two, oh, two, two sessions, first day. It was the end of the first session. 174 <laughs> without loss. So my question is, Steph, um, can we somehow ship over whoever's come up with that wicket over in Pakistan to fix those, fix the roads up in Calcop? Because mm. the roads in Calcop are absolutely terrible. And if we could just get the the curator of the Pakistani cricket wickets uh, to help out with those roads, that'd be fantastic. The amazing thing was uh, I was watching both that and the Aussie Test as well, and. Um, Travis Head went out for 99. Oh, that was brutal, man. But did you know that Zach Crawley was also given out on 99? Really? Within about 90 seconds of each other, and I happened to see them both. I thought, I've just seen history being made. Wow. But he went up, went up to the TMO. What are they called? DRS. DRS? DRS, yeah. No, it's not. It's called the DRS. The Decision Review System. Yeah, the Decision Review System, the TV match official. No, what's he called in cricket? He's not called the DRS. Oh, he's not, but yeah, he's called the third match official, I think. Yeah, so he went up and it went and it, and it was missing. So he carried on, and I thought I've just seen two guys sawn off for ninety nine. But yeah, so Australia five ninety eight for four declared on the fall of that uh, ninety nine.
That was brutal, man. Because Steve Smith had just scored his 200. They took, a single, they took a single to put Travis Head on the other end. So it would have been a 200 and a 100, literally back-to-back. Mm. And Travis Head just... 99. Got Chop, caught outside chopped off. Chopped it on. Yeah. Chopped it on. Unlucky. And Manus Labushkagni. Labushkini. Yeah, 204. Big lead for Australia. Although, West Indies, 82 for one Jeez, there's some big scoring going on. Big, big scoring. Uh, golf scoring with Spark Sport. Um, David Michaluzzi, he dropped, he bogeyed the first hole. So now he's six under. So Josh Geary, the Kiwi, is just one behind um, on five under. rest of the Kiwis are all underway. Uh, Luke Toomey parred the first. Harry Bateman parred the first. Michael Hendry's one over through four. Nick Voke, ooh, Nick, Nick, three over through four. Um, and finished in the clubhouse is Ryan Fox. It's uh, Ryan Fox and Denzel Yeramia is even through two, so he's two under, tied fourteen. Where's Foxy? Foxy's tied twenty first. He's finished. Mm. Is tied, he? But, oh, but he, top thirty goes through, right? Uh, top sixty in ties normally. Nah, but because they're running, I think I heard Izzy say this morning because they're running the women's concurrently, it's top thirty because they're running at the same time. Oh, let me see where the I cut think, line is. I think uh, it's top sixty in ties. <laughs> Well, go. the projected cut is 53rd equal, and there's a swag. Jeepers, there's about 20 guys okay. on one over. So I think it's 60 and twice. Maybe they do two cuts, actually. They might do two cuts. The odd tournament has a cut after two and a cut after three, so they might be having two cuts. So both full fields can finish on day four on the same course at the same time. How's that, Sam? Good update? You like that update? Um also, uh, loveracing.nz, that is your home of thoroughbred racing. Uh, the Grand Tour, the festival, it's coming to a town near you. Go and check it out. It's all on the thegrandtour.nz. Just go to the thegrandtour.nz, take a picnic, take a jelly bin, find a venue that agrees with you, loveracing.nz. As I say, the home of thoroughbred racing. We'll scoot off, but we will return and we'll have a look back on this day. December the 2nd, back on this date, 1932. The controversial borderline series between Australia and England began at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, fast bowler Harold Larwood took immediate advantage of England captain Douglas Jardine's leg side theory, capturing 5 for 96 in the Australian first innings. Australia played without Don Bradman, who was out because of a contractual disagreement, and they lost by 10 wickets. And on this day, December 2nd in 1977, Kerry Packers' World Series of Cricket did not kick off with the bang that the great man had hoped. Barely 200 people turned up to see Australia dismissed for 256 by the West Indies. Ray Bright... I think Ray Bright had a comb over and glasses. Uh, he top scored with 69. A whispering death, Michael Holding, 
captured four wickets and Andy Roberts three. West Indies would go on to win the worst, the first, not the worst, the first World Series of Cricket Test by three wickets. In 1992, we carry on the cricket theme, opening batsman, Kiwi opening batsman, John Shake Wright became the first New Zealander to make 5,000 uh, 5, test runs when he scored 14 in the second innings. Not a great way to bring up your 5,000th. Uh, it was the second innings of the drawn first test against Sri Lanka in Moratua. Birthdays today, Doug Cowie, more cricket, former New Zealand umpire. His birthday today, 76. Happy birthday, Doug. Monica Salas. <laughs> turns 49 today. She was a grunter. Um, eh? Sorry, Sam. Sorry, Sam. You wanted to add to this conversation? Yeah, wasn't she the one who got stabbed in the back? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I thought that's what you were imitating, her getting stabbed in the no, back. No, her, her, her rally. <laughs> she, she was the... Um, oh, the Russian that grunted like crazy. Sharapova. Sharapova. She was the Sharapova before Sharapova. Sharapova, like, I remember a funny video that came out, I think it was before Wimbledon. I don't know if Wimbledon put it out or somebody else put it out where they did like her grunting in the court and then it went like outside the court and it was like the pigeons were like scurrying when they heard the grunting and it went like outside the city and it was like the sheep in the paddock were like <laughs> and like they just sort of and it went like space and like they're hearing the grunt from space it was very funny very funny it was very funny she um yeah she had a trouble at the end of her career sort of disappeared into the ether without any fanfare maria and there was a time people were calling her sharopova because i think really? that's how it's said in Russia. Oh, because well, um, Shapovalov is sort of similar. It's just without that L for Sharapova. Yeah, Shapovalov. Okay. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. And Aaron Rodgers turns 39 today. He's an NFL quarterback. Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown, a game-ender for the Packers. Yes, and that game six years, 364 days ago. Just did a quick bit of maths there, because it's his birthday today. 1976, one of the greatest movies of all time was number one, Rocky. Adrian. Oh, Sylvester staff. Stallone. Yes, Sam? Did Confession? you say staff? Yeah. Confession. Mm. What is it? Never seen Rocky. You're a disgrace. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be mad if uh, no one listens to the show anymore after hearing that, because that is, I know, highly offensive, and I'm ashamed of myself. I just never have, just never, never have. You have to. I know. I know. I do. I absolutely do. I feel bad about myself. Like, I know it's unbelievable. Like, it's one of life's great mysteries, right? I've never, yeah. Will you take it upon yourself to watch it by Christmas? Mm, by Christmas? you got nothing to do on Monday. I'll tell you what. Watch it on Monday. I'll try my very best. <laughs> I'll do my very, very best. Rocky was the number one movie. The number one song in 1976. Ooh, baby, don't you hesitate. Tonight's the night. It's gonna be all Rock and Rod Stewart. Go easy on me. I know the texts are going to come. Just go easy on me. Sam it's just Hewitt. something I never watch. It's just one of those things, Steph. There'll be movies I bet you haven't seen. None as important as Rocket. It's generational. 
Hello. I've even watched Star Wars for God's sake. No, you haven't. I have watched. You Star walked Wars. out of. You walked out of it. No, I walked out of um, the second <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I thought you said you walked out of Star Wars. You went in. No, I went in and sat there with my young mates, and they're just frothing it. I'm going. I thought you walked the, out. No, I didn't walk out of that. I've walked out of the second Lord of the Rings, and I walked out of Bit Middle of the Rose. The other two I've walked out on. Okay. Yep. Uh, how's the weather looking for the cricket tonight? Someone's asking me for the T20 White Ferns. That's from Marsh in Hawke's Bay. If you're in Christchurch, please, we'll take a break. When we come back, someone in Christchurch, Mikey, any of you great roosters down there, score up. No, no weather update. Weather update from Christchurch for the White Ferns game tonight. Tonight is White Ferns cricket. You can watch that on Spark Sport and the golf on Spark Sport. Mm-mm, bit of sax. Don't say a word, my virgin child Just let your inhibitions run